This week, we get buddy-buddy during an eve of parasites. We settle in with some Satanists. Jordan Peele says, And more. Finally, we wrap up our fan appreciation month with a nomination from Instagram follower Horror Flicks and Kill called the Poughkeepsie Tapes. So, kidnap yourself a Cheryl, blow up some balloons for bouncing, and yell at somebody until they pop it. It's time for a voyeuristic new episode of Terror in Podnito. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. <laughs> Oh my god, it's another week. Oh my god. It's another week. Another episode of Terror Impognito. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's time. It's time it's to really record. It's really only been a week. <laughs> Dude, I have to admit though, like since this since we started doing this cast, I feel like like I'm much more aware, much more cognizant of how little time there is yeah. in one week. Absolutely. Than, yeah. <laughs> than there like I ever was before, I think. <laughs> uh, but as always, I'm Palmer. I'm I'm joined by Alex and Sam. And uh, Hello. today I'm Alex and you're Sam because yes. he pointed at me and said your name. Both, I was just p- gesturing. They're both in like, you know, could be boys or that's true. That's true. men or women names. They're that's unisex true. names. Unisex is the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. That's why you keep me around for the hard hitting <laughs> words. Yes. That's yes. That's the only reason. I keep you, <laughs> you can't pronounce people's names, but you know, the hard hitting words. Yep. <laughs> Something like Thank that. Thank God we have easy names. Yeah. 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 Right. Otherwise, it'd be <laughs> nice like, oh. one syllable. Uh, but Sam, you and I went to go see the house Jack, Jack built. Last we did. Night. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex was sick, so she didn't make it. Yeah. Poor sickly Alex. <laughs> you would have wound up in a cooler. In, in a, a cooler? cooler? Yeah. Because yeah, you're a woman, and he hates women. Oh, I'm well, they're not it. all women. He kills men too. He does. Okay. He almost killed a whole bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> in one fell swoop, but we won't spoil it, anything yet. Is it bad that? I kind of wanted this. By the time that scene happens, I kind of wanted to see it happen. Yeah, I don't think it makes you a bad person. I kind of wanted to see it happen too, but but like you're so far into this movie, and there's this whole setup that we're not gonna ruin. Yeah. Um, but by the time you get to that movie, everything you've seen has led you to this point. I kind of just wanted to see it happen. Yeah, no, mm. I'm 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 with you. I think I was in the same boat. I, I kind of just wanted to see it happen too. But that's neither here nor there. Sam. Yes, Sam. Yes. This wasn't actually at all what we either of us ex- expected it to be. I mean, it kind of was, but then it wasn't. It kind of was. It kind of <laughs> wasn't. It's hilarious that Uma Thurman got, was it second billing or first billing? Second billing. That she got second billing. Um, she's not in the movie very long. Oh, really? No. Um, Riley Keough got third billing, I think. Yeah. No, she was fourth or, or fourth. fourth. Fourth or fifth. She's not in the movie a whole lot. No. Um, it's really a She ma- was in there longer than Uma Thurman was. That's true. Uh, was it mostly said, just she Matt... said less? Oh. Was it mostly just Matt Damon or Matt, or Matt Dillon? Dillon? Yeah, it was. This is a Matt Dillon vehicle. Okay, um, which is saying something because yeah, we were as we were talking about <laughs> earlier when, when I, I came home, I discussed this movie a little bit with my wife, and uh, she was like Matt Dillon, like like nineties era Matt Dillon. I was like, yeah, something about Mary Matt Dillon. Mm-hmm. Or she's what did she say? Cruel Intentions? Yeah, Matt Cruel Dillon? Intentions. Matt is Matt Dillon. Dillon even in Cruel Intentions? I didn't think so. No. Yeah, but... he's got a bit part in Cruel Intentions. No, he doesn't. He does too. Does he really? Yeah. Okay. It's one of the movies he's known for but in there, IMDb. There, there's a particular. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a particular story 
because uh, the movie's broken out into five stories plus an epilogue. Yeah. So it it felt eerily similar structurally to Suspiria because we just mm-hmm. saw that. Um, yes. And even you could say the same thing with Mandy was broken into like visible acts. Um, but there's a particular act in this uh, in this one where. His facial hair, I just I couldn't get past it, and I kept oh, seeing yeah, Matt Dillon from. Yeah. There's something about Mary with his goofy ass mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was uh, <laughs> that scene. Like I don't know. So the whole movie, like I could, I just kind of felt like numb to it, like because we're laughing about a lot of these things that we really shouldn't be laughing about, right? Like there's there's a lot of really really. It's like it's not black, dude. It's like fucking charred. It's like <laughs> it's like what you find, like what you scrape off your grill at the end of the summer. Like that's how like dark this humor was. Yeah. Uh, but it was genuinely funny. Uh, and I, like it was one of those things where like, like, especially at one point in particular, the mu- where he's wearing the mustache, yeah. Uh, and it it just it involves some children, and it's just like it's it's it was hard to watch, but at the same time, it was like one of those like he just has this quip at the end of it, and you're just like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, like, <laughs> the the setup for it is ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Because he just wants to, he just wants to have a nice picnic. <laughs> That's it. That's all he wants. Um, He's a simple man. But like it's it's crazy because you know I, we've talked about this movie a whole lot, and you know we all knew about the scene with the duck, yeah, and that people thought this movie was disgusting, and we all kind of assumed that that duck scene was going to be a He's... bigger part. Yeah, it's, it's really it was over very fast. Um, the the picnic sequence. Oh in my particular, god! Like I. I'm hard pressed to think of another movie that's done something like that. That was that was ballsy, and that especially was... especially when it brings it back later in the um, in his walk-in. Um, this movie was fucking crazy. <laughs> oh, the walk-in! I'll never look at a walk-in freezer the same, right? <laughs> especially if it's stocked with pizza, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, it was. I think. I think we kind of figured out the best way to describe it. It was American Psycho uh, meets like Henry of a port- or Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And a little bit of divine comedy thrown in. For a lot of bit of divine comedy thrown in. Uh, and it was just, it was so off the rails to begin with that when it goes even more off the rails, it just seems like a normal part of the film. Like I totally, I wasn't totally sideswiped by the fact that like things really go in a crazy direction towards the end of it. It wasn't as jarring as the ending to Suspiria. Yeah, no, like I'd agree with that. It's a complete like tonal shift. Like, it felt like it made sense because the the movie's got like a a secondary narrator. Yeah, and that storyline plays straight into like Dante's Inferno and the Divine Comedy, and so it made sense that it wound up there. Yeah, yeah, I think we both agreed that it was a little heavy handed. Yeah, uh, what, what, especially what? at certain a few points in particular, and I well, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little more in depth once the movies had some time to play. What and, was it? Layers von Tryhard said in his promo <laughs> before the movie started. Oh. That, um, uh, Trump never, never, never another a Trump. Yeah, never another Trump. So like they did like a, a a brief little thing where like Matt Dillon introduced the movie, and then Lars von Trier <laughs> introduced the movie, and Matt Dillon said something along the lines of like he like, said one of the lines that was in the movie. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. feel like you need to scream, go ahead and scream. If you feel like you want to laugh, go ahead and laugh. Okay, and uh, people did. People, mm-hmm. people did both of those things. There was a lot of laughing at Matt Dillon in particular. Yeah, just like his his mannerisms. Like he would just say something, and, and there there's nothing going on in the scene that's like 
particularly noteworthy, and this one guy in particular just kept laughing at him. To give to give our listeners an example, like it, he's very OCD, and there's an extended sequence where he keeps <laughs> going back into a home because he's worried that he didn't clean up all the blood, and there's cops like on the way, and <laughs> it's one of the, it's it's. Very intense, but at the same time, it's one of the funniest fucking scenes yeah. in the entire film. Because he gets it, he gets back to his car and takes his glasses off. He wipes his face like, hi. Oh, he starts seeing in his head just more blood that he didn't clean up. And he has to go right back in and do it all over again. And it's just, it was, uh, it was a very interesting take on, on all that. And made it, it, like, it was just an example of how riddled with humor the film was yeah. from start to finish. Uh, so, in, t- in spite of the fact that it is a really cruel, misogynistic portrayal of just, like, humanity i guess or like what humanity is capable of uh it was really funny the entire time (laughs) really funny uh but sam your gut reaction on it was well when we walked out or before we even got out of the seat i said i I think i said two seven five yeah by the time we got outside i said three and when i texted you guys this morning about it i think i had jumped it all the way up to a four and a half you'd had yeah yeah, you had. So you have it rated higher than than I did. As like, a I I was thinking about this movie all last night, and then all morning, mm-hmm. and even throughout the day. And like, this movie's fucking great. Yeah, I really thought it was too. Uh, it was. I enjoyed it a lot more than like *Nymphomaniac*. Uh, in terms of it just being a, uh, in spite of all the sadism, it was much more fun. Like, I feel like I felt like *Nymphomaniac* the entire time was really just like like a drudging film. Like, yeah. it was. I thought it was good, but it just like it didn't. There were no parts that like broke the tension at all. Like, it mm-hmm. was just like a fucked up movie right. from a sexual perspective the entirety of the time. This one was a fucked up movie, but then something happens that genuinely makes you fucking laugh. And then you're like, you have to have this moment of self-introspection. It breaks it up a little bit. <laughs> where you're like, why did I just oh, no. laugh at that? I, what is wrong with I me? I feel like, I will admit, I feel completely disgusting for laughing at some of the absolute horrors that are portrayed in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and even about the, the one scene that we're not going to spoil about like wanting to see it actually like follow through to fruition. But that's what this movie does to you while you're watching it. Like, you want to keep seeing more because there's this, like, insane juxtaposition of comedy with this, like, intrinsic terror. Yeah. It's very voyeuristic in the way that you you feel. I feel like, uh, I felt like, like, in spite of everything that was happening on screen, I don't think anything really genuinely shocked me in the film just because of the fact that, like, I felt like I was an outsider. I felt like I was somebody who was just supposed to witness these events, like, not necessarily, like feel anything from them uh and i think that's kind of like one of the things that the film does best is it's like it's it's meant to be this very cold portrayal from like matt dylan's perspective and i think it nails that and once you get past the opening story it it's easier to take matt dylan more serious after the first story yeah and i have to say like i was really surprised it's he like it is a powerhouse performance i genuinely believe that if the content of this film wasn't as controversial as it was he would probably be in the like awards circuit yeah speaking of controversy though you said the mpaa is suing uh lars von trier over this well i don't know if it was like a lawsuit or something uh, but it's like they're they're threat no they're threatening to revoke the r-rating from the r-rated cut of the film because of the fact that ifc released this so close to their r-rated release 
and they did it apparently like in theaters without permission from the MPAA. Like apparently mm. for the unrated films, you're still supposed to get permission to do it. And huh. they didn't go for permission for it at all. IFC just said, hey, we're going to do this one night. And- one night, one showing. Mm-hmm. Jack up the prices. Jack up the How fucking price. How much were the pr- $15. Oh, wow. Huh. Okay, Sam went to buy his ticket. I was like, what the fuck did you just buy? Did you get like a large thing of popcorn? <laughs> you just got like a Coke. Yeah, I was just like, one <laughs> ticket and a Coke. Like, and no it was popcorn, like $22, no candy, no nothing. Yeah. I was just like, huh. huh all right. It was weird. I was like, I feel like we were here like Two a couple weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. It wasn't this expensive. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but yeah, I, I think both Sam and I really enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to be purchasing this one again. Uh, is when the, it comes when it comes out on VOD, mainly because I want to see what the difference is between yeah. the R-rated version and this. I, really I can't see imagine they they're going to show nearly as much. Uh, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about, since we're getting ready to cover uh, found footage film with with the suggestion from Horror Flicks and Kill uh, with the Poughkeepsie tapes, I thought we'd talk about what our our, our favorite found footage horror films. Are and I know this is like a controversial issue, especially with the three of us. Like, yeah. like it's not it's not my particular favorite genre of film. I do like it though when it's well executed, but they're few and far between, right? So uh, I'll lead the charge on this, and I think I'm going to start with with one that I don't necessarily think is like it's not good in the traditional sense as much as it is is shocking uh and i gotta go with cannibal holocaust i think that's probably the the when i think found footage horror i think cannibal holocaust mm-hmm. uh it's it's the one that that struck a tone with me i remember when i got the uncut version they did a release for it like a numbered release that was signed and everything which i fucking lost oh uh, no um no i loaned it to a friend uh, and never got it back never got it back man yeah. that's why you don't loan shit to friends uh <laughs> right, right. <laughs> bunch of jerks uh, you've never loaned something to a friend of yours and never got it back no i'm that asshole friend that never gives it back um but he's got one yep i don't mean to <laughs> <laughs> but i had i i remember when i got that right and it was like me and a whole bunch of friends of mine are we're high schoolers and we're sitting down we're in the basement we're getting ready to watch all this shit and there's actually a picture that used to be on facebook mm-hmm. of all of us collectively watching it uh and uh, two of my friends like one of them's covering up her face and the other one's like watching with like this like smile on his face <laughs> and his eyes are like really really wide uh and it was just like one of those like defining horror films as a kid because it was one of the first that you hear all this hype about, right? And then it lives up to the expectations. You think about something, you envision something genuinely awful in your head, and this movie is it, mm-hmm. like <laughs> from start to finish. Uh, and then the other one I've got is Creep. Yeah, uh, Creep is definitely one of the better ones of recent memory, and uh, I know it's one that Alex is really passionate about, and I have to admit, your passion about this, both Creep 1 and 2 have rubbed up off yep. on me. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, you are a huge Still fan. Still haven't seen the second one. So good. It's just as good as the first. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Alex, what are yours? Um, so I had Creep 1 and 2 on my list also, but I'm going to go for my f- first and foremost favorite found footage movie. Kicking it old school and going the Blair Witch Project. The original one? Yep, the original yeah, one. I'm one. a huge fan of that movie. I remember going to see it in the movie theater. My parents took me. I was like 12. And I <laughs> <laughs> just loved it so much. Yeah. And I feel like, although it is clearly not the one of the first found footage movies, I feel like it is the this first. Is another definitive movie. It, it is a very definitive yeah. movie. And I just, I think it's a great movie. I don't find it boring at all. I think you have to use your imagination. That's not quite as like plot driven, but. Right. 
And all of the backstory about the movie, I just think it's a great movie. And I think they do a good job with the camera. Did you ever see the second one? Yeah. What did you think of Book of Shadows? You know, I actually liked it a lot when I was younger. It was so completely different than the first one. Right, Not right, so right. much anymore? I haven't seen it. You just haven't seen it. But I mean, that was like when I was like... like yeah, we were in middle school when that, yeah. when that came out. The second one came out. I liked it because there was like a witch in it. I thought she was cool. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the guy was hot. I did not like it for any of the same reasons that I like the original Blair Witch movie. Uh, okay. All right. What about you, Sam? I've never been a big fan of found footage. Um, like, I, I give credit where credit's due. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do respect, like, Blair Witch. I didn't really care for it. Um <laughs> It's hard to say that I respect what Cloverfield became. <laughs> um, but like that, again, like that that was kind of one of those I went into the theater, I fell into the marketing campaign, I had no idea what I was getting mm-hmm. into. It turns into a found footage movie and I was like, fuck this, I'm done with it. Never watching found footage movies again. Uh Creep is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I would have to say is like my top found footage movie, Apollo eighteen. Okay. I have not seen that movie. Astronauts go to the moon. Yeah. Deal with it, aliens. Yeah. Okay. Giant yeah. government conspiracy and cover up. And it's found footage? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Yeah. I uh, mm-hmm. I have seen that once, but it was like background noise. Yeah. So okay. I, I like remember seeing the alien or like glimpses of it. And I remember like there was like the stereotypical like camera drop and yeah <laughs> and you see a whole bunch of stuff happening scuffling in the background and all that stuff i remember being it being better than i thought it was gonna be i don't think it's one of those like i don't think i like it because of the way it's shot or like even the way the movie's done mm-hmm. i just like the concept mm, I, yeah. like, okay. I like the the astronauts go to the moon find aliens and there's a huge government conspiracy and then it plays into the hands of all the like Flat Earthers, we've never been to the moon, and yeah. everything's mm-hmm. fake. Get out of here, globe cucks. Globe cucks. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah, I think I, I got to admit that that last choice is out of yeah, out of fucking left field. But yep, you know, yep. it is what it is. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that. I like all the found footage movies. I even like some of the paranormal activity ones. I'm not well, even gonna lie. The first one I thought was pretty <laughs> yeah. good. To be honest, the first one actually almost made <laughs> what? this list. Which one? The like I don't know for the like one and two maybe. Of paranormal oh, sorry, activity. paranormal activity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're fine. They're great. They're, they're fun. <laughs> Um, Apollo 18 was shot in Vancouver, though. Canadian film. I thought it was shot on on the moon. No, obviously not. It's a (laughs) cover-up. That's right. (laughs) My bad. uh, (laughs) Fun fun fact. I saw the original Paranormal Activity Uh with Arash. Okay. And it was one of the only horror movies that I've ever managed to get him to go see with me. Right. And there was a point... I'm pretty uh, sure he's seen Apollo 18. Oh, God. I'm pretty sure that's why he hides from the moon. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. (laughs) There was a point where, like... Uh, the goat, the goat, the footprint, the hoof print starts yeah. showing up, and no joke, he grabbed my thigh <laughs> and squeezed. That's you get scared of everything about, so easy. About like like fucking icy vice grip, dude. Like I I had to like fucking like pry his hand off, dude. <laughs> it was like a monkey paw it's, just it's, latched it's on. It's too spoopy for him. Too yeah. spoopy. Yeah, those were the days. Those were the days. You guys ready to jump into some news? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, it's it's a compact list. Compact. This week, uh, we picked out only the hardest hitting stories. <laughs> only the hardest hitting stories. We always do. <laughs> we give you guys what you want. Uh, first on the list, I think the thing that every horror fan is talking about mm. the most, whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons, <laughs> yeah. the upcoming Child's Play remake has a buddy doll website. Uh, we recently talked about how the good guys doll is getting an overhaul. 
uh, in the upcoming reboot. And now we've got all these details thanks to the recently wa- launched website. Uh, according to the site, the new Buddy dolls come equipped with highly intricate cloud-backed voice recognition engine capable of identifying speech, uh, 20, 20 sensors and cameras which provide detailed real-time information about its environment. It's capable of comprehending inflection, tonality, and variations on the human voice, and high-resolution image recognition. Hmm. Hmm. Has 20 cameras? Yes, apparently. 20 sensors and, and cameras. And cameras. And it's bilingual. Yes. Oh. It's capable of speaking fluently in English and Spanish. Spanish. I was like, French or English? <laughs> oh, oui, oui, oui. Papier mache. Papier mache. I mean, considering it's a toy sold to American kids, I'm surprised it's not Chinese and English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, but you can also... And and I think here's the rub. Here's here's the rub right here. You can mm. receive additional programming from users either on their computers or tablets, and you can be controlled from your smartphone. Mm. That's where you open yourself up for bugs. Yeah, yeah. So this is where the hacking angle comes in. It's I like think. those baby monitors. Because <laughs> I think that's what the consensus is, right? Like, yeah, yeah those baby announced. monitors. I yeah. think it was announced though that it is. Going oh, they, to be that is what hacking, it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was also an announcement from the movie's fake CEO of the Caslin Corporation, Henry Caslin, said uh, with immense enthusiasm and pride that it is with immense enthusiasm and pride that I introduce you to our most cutting-edge, technologically advanced Caslin product to date. Introducing your new best friend, Buddy. Available for pre-order now, Buddy will be joining households across the world starting June 21st, 2019. The film's release date. Also, they misspelled households. (laughs) Yep. Oh, hey, the Caslin Corp's website is still under construction. It should it be is. done sometime in the next couple of months. Right. So we'll be able to do a deep dive on those crazy bastards. Mm. Yep. They but sound evil. They do sound evil. They do sound evil. Uh, but fans of the, uh, I guess, the franchise that are interested in this new version have a plenty of stuff to check out. There's wallpapers, email updates, and other hints that are kind of like, like you said, Sam, getting ready for the Caslin Corp launch. So I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch on that when that launches as well. Um, they did also specify that the killer doll is still going to be named Chucky. Yes. Although it's yep. brand is Buddy. Yes. It will still be Chucky, which yep. I was kind Well, of... Chucky was a good guy doll, so right. that was its brand. Yeah, so. I just wasn't sure if that's what they were going to do this time, too. So yeah. I'm yeah. glad that it's his name is still Chucky. Um, I do have to say I'm really liking the marketing they're doing for this film. I think it's a lot of fun regardless of your views on the remake. Uh, even though I find it unnecessary still. Mm. I think this is a good way to build up marketing hype. Oh yeah, I, think I don't so, really too. like these cartoon posters so much. Oh uh, really? I kind of did. Yeah, I kind of did too. I thought mm-hmm. they. Were, I was. I uh, downloaded the Christmas one. Did December first is gonna be my wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two. Which one? The the, the one where the, the tree or the one outside? The tree or the outside one? Knife or box? With the boxes. Okay. Okay. Um. So yeah. So the outside one. Check it out if you haven't. If you got any interest, it might. It might behoove you to surf some internets and behoove check it out. You. So I'm trying to figure out, has there ever been, either in a movie or in real life, a company with the word, like, corp in their, like, actively in their name when you say it, like, Caslin Corp? Mm-hmm. Where they haven't been evil? Oh. oh. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tons of them. Um, oh, they haven't been evil. Oh, Lord. Like, I feel like these days, if I see, like, in a movie or in real life, if some company is, like, something corp, I'm like, they probably make things that kill people. <laughs> yeah. I feel like most people try and stay away from the saying the word corporation in their name. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I feel like this isn't, like, it's not the company that's evil, maybe, in this 
it seems like it's a pretty well received company. It's just Maybe, what, the, what it, it opens up. We don't know. Up. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And do they that's tell true. people that there's a capability of this type of evil to be happening to the dolls once it does, or do they just keep it hush hush? Or do they do anything to fix it? Do they do anything to fix it? It's like you know. Mm, yeah. Oh, what if it's what if it's a massive cover up, dude? What yeah. if it's a massive cover up? Apollo. What if it's it's a brand new toy? What if know? it's some dude who got fired? From mm-hmm. Castling Corp, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who developed tried to warn the bunny them. doll, yeah. and tried to warn them, like, no, sweep it under the rug. You don't like, understand. I'm gonna fucking show you. I'm gonna it's show a, you. It's some German engineer. You don't understand. And they just want their, <laughs> yeah! they just want their money, so they don't yeah. listen to him. Maybe that could and be And then terrible well things the, happen, and they're like, whatever. That could very well be the if case. If they have the name, if they have the Something word corporation, cor- they're evil. Yeah. I think it'll depend on who they cast to be the Castling Corp CEO. Oh my gosh! If like, it's like, I don't know, Willem Dafoe. Then it's evil. (laughs) (laughs) But it's evil. Ellen Arkin. It's evil, but it's fancy evil. Fancy evil. Yes, with a slight hint of of possible redemption. Swift but just. No, yes. I can't. I can't take Alan Arkin seriously as an evil. No, evil no, that not as in that. If it was Alan Arkin, then it would be nice. Oh yeah, he would. No, be, Alan Arkin's not evil. I was gonna say like, if it's Alan Arkin, we'd find like halfway through the movie, Alan Arkin's been killed by a rogue buddy doll because yes. he was trying to stop them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He'll be mean and gruff, but he'll be kind at heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way it usually works with his, with his roles. Uh, Parasite Eve. And I'm pretty sure that this is probably only I'm the only one in this group that gives a shit about this news here. But uh, Parasite Eve gets trademarked in Europe uh, by Square Enix, and it's it's news that means a whole lot of nothing because this kind of shit happens all the time in the video game industry, and nothing ever comes out of it. But and it's Europe. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of their hubs. I know. So. Uh, 1122, a trademark was registered by Square Enix for Parasite Eve. Uh, the series has existed since 95 and was widely regarded as a fan favorite for its mature content at the time. And at the time, boundary-pushing imagery, there was a spicy shower scene in the second one. Yep. On Is PS1, this a video game? Yeah. yeah. Okay. On yeah. PS1, it was. It was a book originally that got adapted into a video game. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I think so. Oh, okay. Huh. Or it might, there might have been a book after the first game between Maybe. games one and two. Yeah, I know it says it was a point. Japanese sci-fi horror novel. I did not know that. I've only ever played the games. I've never read the novel, but yeah. uh, it was kind of like like SquareSoft's response to Resident Evil. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was like that Resident Evil, Silent Hill. Yeah, they took like all, all those like scary mechanics and then took the RPG styles that they had been known for from like Final Fantasy and stuff and pumped them into this and made something pretty cool. Yeah. I thought uh, at least the first and the second one. I actually had no idea there was a third one, and I have never played it. So I didn't know either. They uh, might not have made it to the states though. No, it did. Oh. It did. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I watched some gameplay footage and it looked awful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but regardless, I'm really excited for this series to return. So it's been over a decade since we got the third one and even longer than that since we had the second one, which is the last one I played. So mm. I don't know if it's going to be a remake or a new game. Uh, there has been a lot of like like Spyro got remastered. They're yeah, in the it's 20 years. Of, it's yeah. time to redo the 90s. They're, they're <laughs> in the process of redoing Resident Evil 2. Uh, this could could just end up being a remake i per i genuinely hope they just reboot it and and mm. do something different with it and bring yeah. it back but i don't know it could i'd be happy with it either way update the game because it's basically unplay. i tried to play a rom of it like four four or five years ago and i was like nope this is unplayable <laughs> like i i can't deal with fucking, fucking playstation one controls anymore i don't know how i did it as a kid like i just can't do it anymore <laughs> um but i'm excited about it and uh as a result we'll probably talk about it some more if anything else comes up <laughs> All right, <laughs> Alex is just thrilled. <laughs> no, I like seeing you happy. Uh, you, 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 thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, 
Next up. <laughs> Not you, though, Sam. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's convenient because I don't like seeing him happy. Oh, good. All right, so it's a circle of But who likes to see only me goes happy? I, I like to see you happy. I don't oh, like to see him happy. Okay. Oh, that's mutual oh. from both of us. We both like to see you happy. Okay. Because so, I'm a real bitch if I'm not. So. <laughs> trying to think of like the Venn diagram here. Like it's just like you in the center. I'm in the middle. Well, so yeah, far nobody yeah. has said they like to see me. I happy. like to see you happy. You just said you don't. I know, but I just I lied. <laughs> Christmas is in the air. Christmas is in the air. <laughs> yeah. Punish. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, next up, I'm hitting I'm hitting everybody with all the alliteration because Satanists are settling a Sabrina suit. Super! <laughs> I thought there was more alliteration. There was. There, there was in, in the email that I sent, but I felt like maybe I shouldn't just like do that again. Thank I you. I should only recycle part of the joke. <laughs> I just assumed you were going to start tripping over the words, so you stopped. That's why he at, like, stopped. A, a good point. I didn't, but in hindsight, I probably would have anyway. So <laughs> he saved good, good on me. Pat myself on the some back. Some sad oh, no, he's alliteration. Been, he's been crushing it lately. I feel like he's been doing his mouth warm ups. Oh, yeah, I did watermelon. Red leather, leather. Yellow, yellow leather. leather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's what the professionals say. You're right. You're right. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, you, we we you heard Alex and I have a heated discussion mm. about this lawsuit, mm. and I, I think it's fair to say that even amongst ourselves, we're divided on the necessity of a suit like this. <laughs> uh, but Netflix has quickly settled with the Satanic Temple over their perceived appropriation of their IP, specifically. Specifically, <laughs> here I go. <laughs> you jinxed yourself. Yeah. Uh, specifically dealing with their Baphomet statue. Uh, $50 million lawsuit? I didn't realize it was that big. Yeah. Did I yeah. miss that number this entire time? But we don't know what they settled for. Right. Yeah. We have no idea. Did we... Did did At any point, did we realize that it was a $50 million lawsuit? Yeah. Because... That was it was announced. We talked about it last. Well, no, last like I know we talked about. It. I must have blanked on the numbers. He said, "Ah." But the Satanic temp- Temple released a statement saying the following: "The Satanic Temple is pleased to announce that this lawsuit uh, it recently filed against Warner Brothers and Netflix has amicably been settled. Uh, the unique elements of the Satanic Temple's Baphomet statue will be acknowledged in the credits of episodes which have already been filmed. The remaining terms of the settlement are subject to confidentiality agreements." Uh, so they got acknowledgement in a series where I thought they didn't want to be acknowledged. Right. I thought so they this didn't is, want to be where I take issue yes. with this whole fucking thing. <laughs> well, right. no, because uh, they didn't want to be. A you scene. can't go. They're not going to be able to go back and cut it out of the first season. Right. They have to reshoot all those scenes. So at least that gets them like the Baphomet statue as depicted by the Satanic Temple. Um Asterix, not no, Satanist. No, 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 no. The whole, <laughs> but the then whole... season two and the Christmas special, like maybe those are completely different, which is why they're saying that it's part of the confidentiality. I am, thing. I am, just, I am interested to see what they're going to do with it for the Christmas special, which yeah. we had talked about. Maybe they'll just blow the damn thing up. That'd be cool. Next season, just bam! Who destroyed our Satanist statue? Guess we have to make a dragon one now instead. Ah, Hogwarts, <laughs> kitty cats, and owls. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, this is where I, I I take issue with it is is the fact that all right they said they didn't want to be associated with the show and the right. things that were happening with it right but they just accepted a settlement that includes acknowledgement from of the them, show yeah. from the show being a mm-hmm. part of and it's like all right if you can go back and edit the credits so there's 
acknowledgement in the credit roll at the end of each episode, mm-hmm. how hard would it have been to demand that they just change things? Like, if you had a legitimate lawsuit on your hands that this wasn't really just about well, money and Well, that's easy to assholes. fix, though. Like, you don't have to reshoot anything to do I, the credits. You can, you can do a lot of stuff with, with After Effects these uh, Yeah, days. I just want you to see them CGI the some big old boobs on but Baphomet. Yeah, put some boobies like, on it. Yeah. That's all they would have to do is put... CGI put, put, out the kids, or at least one yeah. of them. Yeah. Like, that's put literally all you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just as easy as, as rewriting the credits and putting that in there. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not like it would have taken a lot on either. Like, I, but it just, it just, this is what makes me mad about the whole situation mm-hmm. in the first place. It's yeah. just like, all right, you just literally have, at least to me, shown that this was, was just about publicity and money for you guys. Right. Yeah. If yeah. they say they don't want to be associated with the show and have Satanism in that light and then fully, I will, I will agree with you on that. Yes. That I will say that I agree with. I yes. was su- I was surprised when that's what they decided to settle. I, yeah, no, even, I too. Didn't we say that from the start though? That that's, that's what I was saying. I was not saying she that. was she was saying it was more about the the appropriation of IP. Oh, mm-hmm. and then and not being associated. No, this with... is more along the lines of what the TST does. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I understand. Yes, <laughs> I understand that. Like if it was the Church of Satan, that's a yes. different story. And satanic, I'd be on yeah, your side. But TST so, does this shit all the time. My question is when is when is the artist who drew that one photo that that. Yeah. Netflix like put oh that's right and they're gonna have his chance to sue Netflix for fifty million dollars probably never because I would start a Kickstarter for that probably never the <laughs> I sad- would I would donate to that GoFundMe right <laughs> the sad thing is probably n- never yep because that's not the way that indie artists work <sighs> it's a shame yep it's a shame uh, it's a sad shame it's a sad did, satanic did, shame did the, the satanic temple do they have the ability to see into the future like is this why they made such a big fuss about like future. getting their statue like out into the public awareness and public consciousness did they know that Sabrina was going to be made and that this is going to happen and that so they needed to make people at least acknowledge who they were so that they could win a future lawsuit right to be accredited they have on superpowers they're, does Satan give them They're powers? playing 4D fucking calculus right now. Yeah. <laughs> the Rubik's Cube with like the 12 sides. Yeah, the 800 side. That puzzle that Sabrina had to solve in the middle of yeah. the season. Mm, season yep. they, they're doing that times five. <laughs> yep. All right, well, you know, good for them, I guess. Yeah, yep, whatever. Yeah. Uh, next up, another big piece of news that everybody's been talking about. Uh, a Candyman sequel slash reboot slash whatever the fuck you want to call this has been confirmed for 2020. A Candyman uh, something? Yeah. Jordan Peele is like so hot right now. He's so hot right now. <laughs> the comedian turned horror director has recently announced that his company Monkey Paul Productions will be teaming up with MGM to produce a new Candyman film. Uh, so he's written the script with uh, somebody named Wynn Rosenfeld and he's not directing it. Mm-mm. Instead, that's being uh, helmed by Nia DaCosta, who unfortunately I really have no bearings on. No, um, but she, she's done one two short length movie. What's the feature length one? Um, I looked it up. I had never heard of it, and that was kind of the last I looked. I could only it. find two shorts. No. Um, oh shit! I just spelled her name wrong. Oh, hold on. Sorry, people. That's right. Well, while you're digging through that, let's. You know, the, the film has been dubbed a spiritual sequel, I guess. Taking Little place. Woods. Little ones. Yeah, Little, Little, that's a full length. I thought Little that was Woods. A short film. Little Woods. Oh, okay. I thought that was a short film. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it was originally, and then I think it got turned into a feature length. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's taking place in the same neighborhood, so Cabrini Green mm-hmm. Apartments. Uh, and but it's 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 
taking place after the gentrification of that area. So it's like present day? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so it's it's production is going to be beginning in spring 2019. Uh, according to Jonathan Click- Glickman, president of MGM, we cannot wait for the world to see what the mind-blowing combination of Jordan, Wynn, and Nia bring to the legend of Candyman. They have created a story that will not only pay reverence to Clive Barker's haunting and brilliant source material, but it is also thoroughly modern and will bring a whole new generation of fans. He went on to state that we are honored to bring the next chapter of Candyman canon to life and eager to provide new audiences with an entry point to Clive Barker's legend. And with that perspective, I have to admit, I agree with him. Yeah. I'm glad from that angle that they're doing that. And I am also glad that it's not I don't like. I'm glad they're not disposing of everything that came before mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a reboot uh, at all, which is good. Yeah, no, yeah. And and I guess I don't know, but like, I then again, that all that being said, I'm not sure that it's going to really follow all the event, all like you know, all the events of the other Candyman films. I think it's just what, like three a, of them. I think it's just a continuation of the first one. Okay, so That's it is the way sort I of read a reboot it. of of sorts. Of I sorts. Guess. So it's the Halloween effect. That's the way that I read it. Was they're kind of taking into account the first one and going with that, but I don't know that it specifically said okay. that. That's just kind of the idea that I got from reading that article. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how, like what mm-hmm. I thought too, which is why I wasn't really sure how to label this. Yeah, uh, the, it's the Halloween effect. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what it really, really what it is. Um, you stick with the good one and move on from the others. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a poll amongst our fans on all of our social media platforms, trying to gauge excitement for this project, and the results were were surprised. Really, I was surprised by this. Overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a seventy percent on higher or higher, according to everything that we posted on oh, wow. uh, Twitter. Twitter, I think Twitter was the lowest, and that was like seventy three. Oh wow! Instagram was the highest. That was in the nineties, hmm. uh, and then Facebook, I think, was also in the seventies. Um, but people, people seem to be really excited about this. All the comments were were friendly. Uh, all the votes were obviously for it, not against it. Um, and most of the concerns that I saw from the people that weren't like excited about it just because they don't really know anything about the director and yeah yeah that, that seemed so to be the far one out qualm. that there's not enough information yet so yeah to, that like, seemed to be it. the one qualm was just kind of like well, well, i'm not really sure where to stand on it yet because we don't just don't know enough don't know a lot about it yeah. or, or who the cast is and all mm-hmm. that stuff i will say though if this is supposed to be a sequel of some sort and they don't bring back tony todd yeah he needs to have some part in this yeah i just like i i he is. He is. He is Candyman. The Candyman. Like, <laughs> I'm. Sh- I'm sure they'll bring him back, even for just a small sort of cameo yeah. part. Yeah. They would be remiss not to. I think so too. I think so too. Uh, I mean, he's still acting. He's still doing tons of shit. He'd be, yeah. I, mean, I know he'd be into it. He was just in Death House, man. Yeah, he, he was, was one of the best parts of, of Death House. Of course he was. <laughs> he was absolutely one Tony of the best Todd parts of Death House. Tony Todd is a fucking Tony national Todd. treasure. He's one of the best parts of every movie he's in. He absolutely is. Um. But yeah, aside from the surprising, overwhelming positivity, uh, it seemed like a lot of people have have faith in Peel, um, yeah. Especially to handle a project like this, mm-hmm. that seemed to be another thing that I took away from it is like people were like, "Well, if it's going to be like the first one was such heavy, so heavy on social commentary, absolutely, it, it makes sense. He would for be the Peele person to, to do this to handle it. Uh, and and yeah, I got to agree with that. Um, it also helps that this seems like it's more of a passion project than a cash grab. Absolutely. Um, so it, it, I don't think he'd be going forward with it, allowing his production company to handle it and have his name on it mm-hmm. if it wasn't something he believed in. Right, and if he trusted the director. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the three movies that he's produced so far have all been 
successful to varying degrees, but they've all been good. What's yeah? So Keanu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Keanu is hilarious. Which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, Get Out, which he, yeah. oh, he directed. Oh, Keanu too, right? Uh, he might. I think that was a joint with him and uh, Keegan Michael Key. Oh, okay. Um, and then Black Klansman. Oh, that's right. Yep. Oh yeah, he did. That was Spike Lee who directed that, though. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, still he, haven't seen that. I really want to see that. Like movie. he he hasn't thrown his money behind a lot of stuff movie wise. He's done a lot of like TV things, mm-hmm. um, including he's executive producer on the new Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah, um, I, and a whole bunch of other stuff that's like in pre production right now. Strangely enough, Candyman's not on this list yet. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think it like literally just announced though, like two days ago. Get it together, so. IMDb. Yeah, put it on there, IMDb. <laughs> uh, but we'll see what comes of it. I mean, it seems like it's far off now, but once again, this podcast has proven that <laughs> that weeks fly by, so it'll just be a matter of time before it's 2020 and this movie hits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, and the last bit of news, uh, continuing the trend of, of walk, everything Walking Dead doing very poorly. Ten years. Ten years. <laughs> Ten years of content. <laughs> uh, we talked about this game briefly uh, last summer when we did our E3 horror gaming wrap-up, but Overkill's The Walking Dead is is doing abysmally. Um, we haven't talked about it since our E3 gaming wrap-up, but I legitimately like didn't even know that it was out. Mm. I, had, I had no idea. Absolutely yeah. no idea. I didn't it's only see it on, on PC, Steam which store. Is, yeah, it's only out on PC, which is what we both play. Yeah. That's where I am. Yeah. I get on the store, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> They're just at the summer, the, 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 the fall sale, and I never saw it. Yeah. I, but, but, like, I was, after we did the E3 wrap-up, like, I was kind of interested in this. This is mm-hmm. one of the ones that I talked about. It, it reminded me a lot. It, it was a, it, I thought it was like a, a Walking Dead-themed version of Left 4 Dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like no advertising usually means it's shitty. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, I guess no, so. I, I don't know if it, it's that or if it just proves that this franchise is about as relevant as, like, Verve Pipe after 1999. <laughs> nice name drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Verve Pipe. Uh, Starbreeze recently told its shareholders in a press release that, that sales were lower than expected, and the company now is now forced to reduce costs and sharpen focus on core business. I don't know what core what business mean? means for them because they have that in like payday and payday came out like six years ago. Oh. <laughs> when, did payday, when did payday two come out? Uh, 2013. Was it that long yeah, ago? It was 2013. Well, I guess so, that's their core business. Yeah. So they're continuing on with it. I mean, they're preparing for season two of the game because all games have to be platforms now, but, uh, we'll see what the improvements are is uh, they're apparently still adding additional content, but apparently they're catering to China, which is where it's been. It's where it's found its most success. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. That means more microtransactions. That's all I hear when when yeah. I hear that companies are catering to China. But how much money are you really going to spend on a game that has less than five thousand players on average? Uh, I don't know. I imagine that'll boost significantly when it comes out on console. Yeah. Um, but that just seems like a lot of money to throw into development of a game that not I a think, lot of people are playing. I think yeah. that's I think that's one of the big points why they're why they're looking at cutting costs. But just to put things in perspective. Payday 2, which came out in 2013, I actually looked at the Steam charts on this, has around 20,000 people playing it. A game six at years ago. Time. It's at a lot of fun. Time, mm-hmm. It's like 20,000 people playing it. This game just came out, and it's has, less than 5,000. It's less than five? That's like 4,600 concurrent players is what, is what the, the Steam chart. Says. The Steam charts that I checked, it was at, it was at like 42, but it was oh, in the middle of the that's afternoon. That's even worse. It's it terrible. Middle, it was in the middle of the afternoon. Oh, my uh, goodness. 
And and since those are all like current numbers, yeah, and the okay. console versions aren't even coming out until February of next year. And they see, I was under the impression that this game wasn't coming out period until February right. of next year. I had no idea that it was coming out on PC mm. first. Like I don't know, this whole thing's been a shit show. But like you said, this franchise has ten years left in it, right? Like, <laughs> I'm like my eyes are rolling in the back of my head right now. Just die already. Yeah, I don't know. But couple that with the fact that uh, their their season mm-hmm. hiatus for this season it was the lowest that it's ever been. Mm. It's just like, oh, okay, the series is downtrending, the games are downtrending, the comic book sales are downtrending. People Kirkman think- is getting ready to walk away from his own project to start another post-apocalyptic TV show slash comic book slash fucking franchise. Yep. I think people are just over over it. We Zombies had a good run, though. Zombies had a great run. I watched a couple episodes of the new um, season of Walking Dead. Did you? What did you think? I only, I've still only seen the yeah. first episode. No. My, no? Not, not. Not. No. Hmm. It was not what I was expecting. I was expecting bigger things. Ben still watching? Yeah, but I mean, he, I mean, he, even him, like after I stopped watching, he would still Sunday night, like religiously come and like watch it. Now he kind of, he watches it on like on demand, like on a Tuesday or something like that. Yeah. Zombies had a good run though. They had a good, what, 15 year dominance? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Zombies had a real good run. Yeah. But it definitely seems like it's fading a bit. I mean, I I get it. Yeah. I get it. Things come in, in waves. A little in bit of too, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Is that a saying? <laughs> too much of yeah. something like that. Too much yeah. of a good thing. Fortune good cookies thing. say that. Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> fortune cookies did not give The Walking Dead 10 more years. Confucius say. <laughs> yes. yes. Man who stands on toilet high on pot. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, that wraps up the news segment. Sam, you ready to lead us off with some uh, something special? Yeah, we got some new movies in the nose sling. I wish that you guys could see his face when he says this. Yeah, yeah. I look like <laughs> his, a bulldog. His, his, his jaw bear. goes out. <laughs> so, another quiet week this week, but at least we got something to wrap up the month. Uh, first up... Uh, getting a digital release on November 27th, which I believe was Tuesday. Uh, Shane Black's Vision of The Predator. <laughs> We've talked about plenty before. We have. Cares. I still have not seen, and I will be watching. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I can, now I can see it without leaving my house. Yeah. There you go. Um, I can pause up, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can pause, I can rewind, I can do all the things that I can't do in a theater. Uh, next up, uh, theatrical release on November 30th, The Possession of Hannah Grace, brought to you by mm. Broken Road Productions and Screen Gems. Uh, odds are most people at this point have at least seen a trailer on TV for it because it's been all over the place. But when a cop who's just out of rehab takes the graveyard shift in a city hospital morgue, she faces a series of bizarre, violent events caused by an evil entity in one of the corpses. Mm. 92% of Google users like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're going by now, Google? Yeah. Because we all use Google. I'm no longer using Rotten Tomatoes now. I use we Google, all use Google. Google users. It's a very, very skewed... <laughs> Skewed. Ninety-two percent portrayal of who, who likes what. Um, we've already Palmer and I already talked uh, at length about the house that Jack built because we were fortunate enough to see the director's cut one night only. Um, so this next one, it's getting a limited release in the U.S. on the thirtieth, which is Friday. Anna and the Apocalypse from Orion Pictures. Mm. It gets a nationwide release on December seventh. Um, but for those of you that 
A lot of people really seem to be liking this one. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. And it it's a like Christmas a movie. movie. And it's a Christmas movie. Um, but a zombie apocalypse threatens a sleepy town of Little Haven at Christmas, forcing Anna and her friends to fight, slash, and sing their way to survival, facing the undead in a desperate race to reach their loved ones. But they soon discover that no one is safe in this new world, and with civilization falling apart around them, the only people they can truly rely on are each other. Mm. Design. So yeah, if you get a chance, if this was playing in a town near you and you want to see it before anyone else, just... Really get into that Christmas spirit before the calendar flips to December. Mm-hmm. Here's your movie. It's got good reviews. Yeah. <laughs> 79% of Google users. So not quite as high as the possession of Emily Rose, Hannah Grace. But 86% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, look at that. Mm. 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 But that's all we got this week. All right. Well, mm-hmm. some, some possession movies. And some, some, some Christmas movies with, to get you into the Yuletide murder spirit. And they're working together. They're working together. I love me some Christmas horror movies. I'm not going to lie. I like them more than Halloween-themed ones. They're fun. Really? Yep. They're, they're fun. fun. They seem they're out fun. of place because Christmas is a happy time. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to have, like, it's hard to have a Christmas horror movie that's, like, dark. Yeah. Like, legitimately dark, like you would see with a Halloween-themed movie. Right. No, you're right. Plus, you're he right. doesn't like getting, like, beaten with giant candy canes. Punish! How much do you think... Nightmare on Elm Street had to do with that. Or not, I'm sorry, Nightmare Before Christmas. For what? With with people enjoying like Christmas oh. horror, Christmas and horror together. Like mashed up. Yeah, but I see so many people there watch Nightmare Before so... Christmas during Halloween too. Yeah, that's true. No, and that list that I pulled together of all the Christmas horror movies, uh, the majority of them are old. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like I much older than Night Before Christmas. That's true. But the people who were like going to theaters to watch those, like... Didn't like them. It was like, it's like our generation that likes them. I think that, I think, I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what don't people know. thought probably in, just talking in the ass. 70s. <laughs> I tend to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. All right. Kipsy tapes. This is a weird one. It is a weird one. This one's the first, I think, found footage film we covered, isn't it? Oh. My think, my gut reaction is yes. I think it is. I can't. Sounds right. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, although it's not really found footage as much as it's kind of like a, a, a fake documentary. Murder porn. Murder, murder porn. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I don't know. true crime, guys. It's called murder porn. <laughs> this is a true crime <laughs> podcast now? <laughs> It's gonna be for this episode because we have a lot of true crime stuff. Move to talk over about every other true crime yeah, right. podcast. <laughs> We're the shark in yeah. this pond. We're, co- We're coming for your ass. Sharks don't live in ponds. <laughs> it's a really small shark. In a very big pond. Teeny, teeny no, in an even smaller pond. Oh, oh, poor shark in a small pond. Oh. Not the not the not the shark. Not the small pond. Anyways. Uh this movie is interesting uh i'm i feel like this is one of the films that we've gotten from the fan nominations that i felt most conflicted about uh on one hand i really enjoy the i thought the whole portrayal of the killer itself the water street butcher was very compelling Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed that from start to finish but there are so many points in this film where the acting is so uneven Mm. that like it pulled me out of it. Pretty much any time they interview a police officer, an FBI agent, I feel like they're playing a stereotype and not like yeah, what that person should like, be. This is what an FBI profiler 
should sounds be like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are the things that he says right and and uh i think the script suffers during those parts i think a lot of the like the dialogue seems forced and the actors are kind of i mean some of them are trying to do their best with the material that's in front of them i just think it's kind of weak in that regard but uh I do enjoy the strengths of this film. The strengths are definitely the sadism of the killer himself, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. actor who's playing the killer, uh, the whole like I guess uh, premise behind him. I found very interesting, and I like the angles that they take with this killer because they do take a lot of liberties that I think people who are really big fans of true crime would roll their eyes at. But I think it makes for some really compelling fiction, mm-hmm. uh, especially when done in this this. I don't want to call it a mockumentary because that tends to imply comedy, but in this fake documentary style, right? Um, but all the characters. I mean, there's 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 a ton to note. Um, there's actually so many that I didn't bother doing an IMDb list for this. Mm-hmm. I figured we'd just kind of like go through it because there are literally like thirty different people that are interviewed throughout the course of this movie, right? And all of them are in their varying degrees. Some of them are only in there for like 30 seconds. Some of them are in there for five-minute periods, but mm-hmm. they're spliced up throughout the throughout the entirety of the film. So um, let's just drive, jump in. I think, I think that's the best way to handle this one just because of the uniqueness of this film. Um, so the film starts off with kind of a glimpse of, of Alice Erndresart. Earned, earned Andresart, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Uh, she's the property owner for where the tapes were found. Um, and then we get to, uh, to a cut of Leonard Shway, who's the first person, and he's, he, God, he's, he's the FBI agent who's, I guess, is like one of the people in charge of the case. He's also one of the worst actors in the entirety of the <laughs> Uh, but he says, he brings up a point that says, he's the one with the glasses, and he says, um, uh, at any given point, there are between 25 and 50 active serial killers in the U.S. alone. And Alex, you did some research on that, right? I did. So I actually looked up, because that's the second time in two shows recently that I've heard that. And I, I, I did find a number that somewhat corroborates that, but I also found a number that was a little bit lower. Right. So I read an article, and mind you, this was from 2000, I believe. It was from 2014. Um, and it was from a uh, former chief of the FBI um, serial crime unit. His name was John Douglas. And he said that there are 25 to 50 um, active serial killers in the United States at any given moment. He also and called that a very conservative estimate. He did. Well, the uh, I guess the sheer amount of people that are also like uh, attributed to serial killers is also a very conservative estimate. Right. So there's like, I guess any given year, there's, there's 2,500 homicides on, on mm-hmm. average that happen that we don't have any tie to. Right. And they look like they might have similar MOs. Right. Uh, and and might be tied to the same person, but they have no idea who that person is, right? And so that's how they get these statistics for like whether or not there's an active serial killer in the mm-hmm. area or there could be an active or could serial be, killer right. in and, the area. And for an additional frame of reference, and this, this article is from 2014 from the Scientific American, um, but it says... Uh, in 2014, uh, FBI crime stats, there were approximately 15,000 murders annually. Yep. Um, and if you stick to the 25 to 50 mm-hmm. serial killers and figure th- roughly three per year, that's 150 victims tied to serial murder right. in any given year. Mm-hmm. Um, they so did some comparison, too, from the 70s and 80s, where the 80s saw about 600 serial murders. Yeah. They're much more prevalent in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, this still kind of a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. um, right which often makes it harder to track these people down yeah yeah um well i mean i think i think we um 
assume in this day and age that it, because of the amount of cameras, mm-hmm. the accessibility of DNA evidence, all that stuff, we assume that that makes us safer. Mm-hmm. But I think like people don't realize that that exists readily on the coasts. Like if you go to the West Coast, you go to the East Coast, internet or super speeds. You've got cameras everywhere, much more, a much higher technological infrastructure on both coasts. You mm-hmm. get to middle America, and that shit isn't as prevalent. Like, right. And most of the high profile serial killers come from middle America. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, like you go, like, you know, for instance, whenever I go visit family in Ohio, it's not, I'm not saying they don't have this kind of technology. They do. Right. But, 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 like, so Ohio does have the internet. They do have the internet. <laughs> okay. Uh, Way to go, Ohio. Good job, Ohio. <laughs> but like, I feel like it's just not readily, uh, there aren't as many people that know the infrastructure as well. Like, okay. It's not quite as built up. It's not like, it's still, um, especially like internet infrastructure is still like making its way. Like they still don't have a good portion of them in the Midwest still don't have fiber optic cables. Hmm. Like that's still mainly a coast thing. Hmm. Um, except for that one town where Google fiber was a thing. Right. That's right. But didn't they get pushed out? No, it's, they, they stopped was it, doing it was Kansas, right? Or something. It was somewhere in Kansas. I think it might've been Kansas city. Yeah. Um, and they had like that was like the pilot city, and then they had like yeah. two other pilot cities, and then they scrapped the whole project. But whatever the first pilot city was, got to keep it. Oh. <laughs> That's nice for them. Yeah. Good, well, good I feel like also people. smaller towns don't have the force to yeah look for things like this, or no, nor do they like make the connections because a lot of times serial killers will kill you know different counties or you know drop bodies, and so the and the the different police forces don't necessarily always talk to each other and. They're not using the internet correctly. <laughs> or in the case of... Look, one... look, 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 look. I feel like this is going to get taken out of context, right? I am not saying that you guys aren't awesome. You are. Everybody is awesome. <laughs> but you don't have fiber options. But you don't have fiber options. No, just... We're sorry if it takes a while for you to be... download our episodes. It is what it is. But kind of going off what you said uh, just now about like different counties. It's like the our, our, our news dominating serial killer of the day samuel little mm. who is claiming to kill have killed 90 people yeah. has been tied to 16 i think and they're in like completely different states they're all yeah. Over the yeah but that also like spans decades yeah. like yeah before anybody wasn't he another happened. one that was like found because of basically like dna oh, no he like was a... already he was already in prison oh okay. Oh, okay he's been in prison for a few years now and then apparently just started like randomly talking. talking to like cellmates and shit and they were hmm. like he opened his mouth yo guard this dude's saying some some, some questionable things that, like even i'm uncomfortable with it <laughs> i'm in prison dude <laughs> and i'm trying to tell you this motherfucker over here he does some shit <laughs> uh but yeah so we get we get uh after we're introduced to felton and that hard-hitting stat you know we get we <laughs> We get a whole bunch of other things thrown at us over the course of this film, right? We uh, get introduced to... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. We got introduced to Leonard Chway, and he introduced us the, the hard-hitting stat. Simon uh, Alray, who's the FBI audio-visual specialist. Oh, is that the one who's he's in charge one of one going through all yeah, the tapes? Yeah, he's the one who watched through all this. Oh, God. Um, could you imagine having that job? No. Could you you just hundreds like, of hours of this. They would just give that to one person. No. Absolutely not. No. He said he watched it for years. Yeah. 
they would not just give that job to one person. No, I'm pretty sure for 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 stuff like that, it's it's actually it's actually assigned to like either a very small group or one person because say, they want one person to handle all. I would of say it. like two or three people would watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it, it, I'm sure like he wasn't the only one. In Maybe he was, was the doing, one in charge was, of that. Group. Yeah, he might have okay. been in charge of it, or he might have been the one that saw the majority. And of he it. takes him home with him. I mean, some people. <laughs> hey, baby, I got something hey, you for you watch to see. Netflix and chill. <laughs> no, I mean, my wife talks Murder about the body camera footage that she gets. But you guys watch it together? No, we don't watch it together. But it's not like he watched it. His wife popped in the VHS. That's true. She's being snaky. Yeah. And then I, she wouldn't touch his dick for a whole year. What the fuck? Man? VHS and super chill. <laughs> that was that was that was your choice. And then you turn around and, and just don't touch the pee pee. No. <laughs> Why, why you go touch the pee-pee? <laughs> she's emotionally scarred from the things that she saw. Oh, yeah, which makes me wonder what the fuck she saw. Because none, none of the stuff that I saw was that emotionally scarred. <laughs> That's because you're a Maybe she has the 20 missing soul. videotapes. Yeah. <laughs> she put them in her personal stash. The 27 missing <laughs> yeah. tapes. Yeah, the, the missing tapes aren't actually missing. She just uses them as like masturbation material now. Uh <laughs> But yeah, he he's he mentions the balloon stuff, and then we get the first scene of yes. the balloon girl poppers. Right. Is, is, that, is that the the proper fetish term? I believe so. Is that actually a thing? You oh know, yeah, I knew, I know, of I knew, course I knew, that's a no, thing. No, I knew I knew it was a thing, but I didn't want to go down that dark rabbit hole. I think it's uh, called popping or right, poppers. You guys keep talking X hamster. <laughs> no, like it, it, I know it absolutely is a thing because yeah. I've, I've heard it before. Um, I di- I just I didn't know the, right. the proper. I guess the vernacular for yeah, it. It's pop. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to kink shame people. Absolutely you, not. You, you do you. You do you. As long as it's consensual. Yeah, it's, it's all popping off on this. This podcast. was this. <laughs> this was not consensual popping. No, she looks terrified. No, she also it looked was really consensual. Confused. It was consensual popping. Was she up a until, prostitute? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I, she had to be right. Like maybe. I think she was. I'm pretty sure she. I was. think she was. If I'm, she was just a, I don't think he like would have the wherewithal to be like let's go on a date he didn't seem like the dating kind yeah he did seem particularly like incel he was super incel (laughs) (laughs) bounce (laughs) (laughs) but that's the first kind of like time we get to hear his voice right Uh and it's chilling even when it's like kind of consensual and he's he seems like he's being nice and he's just like oh just bounce on it it'll be fun it'll be fun like there's something creepy about it from Mm -hmm. the entirety of it and she looks very uncomfortable the entire time the question is we don't know anything about her aside from the fact that what she could do, as far as we know, she didn't even pop the fucking balloon. No, the tape cuts before you see it. Mm-hmm. Right. So what? What do we think happened to her? My my popping kink was definitely disappointed. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought there was some scene towards the end of the movie where it shows that she did pop the balloon. Maybe. I think they just kept cutting to her bouncing on it. And I think at the end, end it was on her on the floor. Oh, was it? Yes. No, I didn't. I didn't catch that. I know there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's hard to see what's going oh, on. Oh, God. It was like a... My eyes hurt. Yeah, so where the fuck is he storing these VHS tapes? Yeah, why are they... To let them degrade <laughs> this badly? They were, in what, under, They were in a closet or under the steps or something? Yeah, but, or... Like, like, but is it like a... Uh, it, does he he needs to invest in like a dehumidifier. Yeah, that or, like, or like a sealed it's plastic like the mul- tub. the moldiest <laughs> fucking closet of all time. Yeah. Because yeah. all, the rest of his other house, his house was... Very clean. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, where he keeps his. Yeah, because we saw like the Girl Scout footage. Remember mm-hmm. when they all come in the house? God, that scene was chilling. Oh God, man. I did that not was, like it. I was like really uncomfortable. That and like, and I guess the the first time that we see him 
take his first victim. Like I was like, oh god, I don't want to. I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch. It. I've seen the movie before, but I haven't seen it since it. Like I guess it came out in two thousand seven. So I think I watched it around like two thousand nine. It's been a long time since. Right, and this one, this had a whole thing trying to get this out on like. It, it was, was only picked up and dropped multiple times. Multiple shelves for years. Yeah. Direct TV picked it up for a week. Yeah, like a week. <laughs> and then they or took the, it down. The, the time frames that I saw anywhere from a week to a month and then it got pulled right. out. Right. And then it was on the shelf until like 2014 when it finally came out on Blu-ray. Yeah. So this movie, I think the part of the reason that this movie is so popular is it has this very much like a uh, like, a, like an urban legend kind yeah. of behind it. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember watching this on YouTube. Like a long time ago. Yeah, I think I think it was YouTube when I saw or where I saw this uh-huh. for the first time too. Yeah, so this is it has that like dark web feel yes. to it almost. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you've got to dig to find this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I, I think you're right. I think that actually gives it gives more, it some credit, yeah. makes it a little more like realistic. It plays like a badge of honor amongst horror fans too. Because mm-hmm. like yeah, a lot you, of people really do you had, like to, this you had movie. to do some digging and really seek this one out. Yeah, right. Not and I like oh just get the Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I found it kind of surprising that you couldn't find it at all, like on any digital platforms. That you mm-hmm. had to just go for the Blu-ray. Um, so we all bought the Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which was I don't. It was just it was just one of those like, wow, you know, like this movie came out twelve years ago almost, yeah. and there's no digital release for this. It adds to the mystique. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. I got to give it that. You're right about that. I'm a uh, little disappointed. There's not a VHS version. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But who has a VHS player? That would be the perfect marketing campaign for something like this, though. They don't make VHS players anymore. You can fucking find one. A VCR. Just go to to Goodwill. I don't even think they have them at eBay, Amazon. I'm sure you can find them. Yeah. Yeah, they sell them at Goodwill. Last time I was in Goodwill, they had them. You saw one? I didn't see any. They had a bunch of them, actually. A bunch of them? A bunch of them. Those DVD uh, uh, VHS combo ones. They had those. (laughs) That were, like, in the day, like, $200. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, we uh, we get introduced to, to Mike Mokes, who's the, I, in my notes, I have him written down in all caps as the older turtleneck profiler. <laughs> uh, the scene where he's introduced to us, he's teaching a class full of aspiring profilers. He tells them that three of them are going to drop out after this is over, right? So he's showing them the footage, I guess, or yes. at least that's what's implied in the documentary. And uh, I found myself wondering, you think that's actually true? Like... It makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. And I got to actually give this film credit. It, it seems like the person who wrote the script for this did do some Was also into true research. crime, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Uh, but I did some research on it, and and, and uh, you're going to have to take this with a grain of salt, because I, I, I found, I came to a consensus on this, but it was from a whole bunch of forum sources and things like that. Like, they don't actually, like, publish any hard statistics on any no. of this. Uh, but the dropout rate, according to to people that claimed that they were part of the FBI uh, or went through the situation in Quantico, at least, like, it seemed to be around 10%. Okay. Uh, and some of it had to do with uh, the the PRT, so the physical, uh, like, the, the tests and everything that you have to do. Like, some people just, just didn't pass those. Right. Uh, but that was a very small percentage. And a lot, apparently, like, people who don't pass those have 60 days to get their shit together and then come back and do it again. Okay. So the people that left for those were, like, people who didn't have or who had, like, medical ailments where they couldn't yeah. uh, get through. Um, there were a couple instances of, like, 
notable like homesickness or like where the the people just realized that they didn't have the dedication to stay away from family that it would mm-hmm. take to get through the FBI stuff. Um, and then one of uh, one of the big things that I noticed was actually apparently part of the deadly force classes is witnessing videos of past events, right? And uh, they kind of go hand in hand with this kind of stuff. I couldn't find anything directly related to profiling, but apparently right. one of the biggest filters for uh, FBI trainees is the deadly force classes because they go through all the physical combat training and then they have to watch videos of instances where it's life and death. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff is pretty brutal, pretty graphic. Right. And they have to be able to see it and react to it appropriately. Apparently, this is one of the big like triggering things for people and gets people to kind of like tap out. And I I mean, that makes sense. So I would, I, this is what I'm kind of basing this information on. And this is where the, apparently the largest percentage of the drop rate is from. They go through that part. Yes. They go through the, the, uh, the deadly force classes, get to the video portions of it. Uh And they're just like, you know what? Maybe I, maybe this isn't for me. Wow. Okay. Um, and, uh, I feel like if you're applying to work at the FBI, you kind of assume that that, yeah, but if you've thing, never seen it... You don't know that you can handle it? Yeah. But why would you... I don't know, yeah. I mean, I, I get it, but I just feel like someone who's applying... Some people have, like, the the idealist vision of, like, I want to be an FBI agent. You don't think you're going to see murder and... Well, this wasn't no, just and necessarily the, for profiling. No, this it's just, for, just the for the FBI. Right. Because right, if you're going to go into the BAU, they normally hire people who are already agents. You right. don't just go right, right. to being... But like, right, 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 right. You, people might have the idealized vision of like I want to be an I want to be an FBI agent. You see it with like, but are you normally a detective too. first before you even apply for the FBI? Probably. You've usually got some sort of military or or law enforcement background before you go to the FBI. But apparently, one of the big things uh, post two thousand one, mm. they had a massive influx of, of applicants, right. and the drop route rate significantly increased for about four years after that. Okay. That was the only hard statistic I could yeah. find. So the dropout rate was a ma- had a massive spike up because you don't have to have law enforcement experience to apply. Right. Uh, and so they were accepting people because they just had an influx of it. Right. And, and apparently the, the dropout rate was like right. closer, closer to 35%. Because you can have like a sociology degree or... Yeah. Criminal justice or whatever. Like, yeah. even, even if you like, even if you understand the the potential that you're going to see stuff like this, mm-hmm. like that doesn't mean you've seen it. Yeah, and that doesn't mean you can. You know, even if you have seen some of it, you might not have seen the worst of it. Buck up, Buttercup. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All you dropouts out there listening right? to this, Alex <laughs> just called you a bitch. <laughs> Just for the FBI, not for like dropping out of college. I get that. <laughs> Alex ain't playing, dude. <laughs> no. She ain't playing. It's just because I secretly really want to work for the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we get introduced to Pam Frears, who's an FBI field agent. And she points out some of the areas where the bodies were buried inside the backyard. Oh, that's right. And this is the first kind of like introduction that we as viewers get to the sheer body count that this guy has racked up. Right. So it starts off with just like she searched the yard. She found two bodies of two women left to the left side of the yard. And it's sort of like she pauses there for a second. And you're like, oh, okay. It's like two bodies. It's fine. It's fine. And right. then she turns around. She's like, also, there was one dead center in a deep hole. And then mm-hmm. there was one to the right. Oh, and by the way, there's four more in the backyard. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> BT devs. They're peppered uh, through. I did think it was kind of interesting that his, his backyard or so his front yard was prim and proper. Had right. a lawn and everything. Very his normal backyard, suburban front yard yeah nothing but dirt in the backyard is that 
do you think I thought maybe they had excavated it to look for bodies, but you're right, that does seem very odd. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Actually, I hadn't given that a thought. Yeah, that might actually be why it's nothing but dirt there. But but yeah, it does, at least to me, it struck me as just like, okay, yeah. this, this guy has been digging up this backyard for so long <laughs> that there's nothing growing right. back here. He's like, this that's, will be another place to hide a body. I, that's the way that I interpreted it. Also, I noticed the address for the house is 514. Why is that weird? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that it was there. In the backyard? No, the uh, the address for the house. Oh, for the house. Just, just in general. Uh, That's the area code for Montreal. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, today I learned. Uh, so before we jump into the to the first killing, I just want to pause and just just kind of chat about the fact that this guy is is such a fucking asshole. The uh, killer. Yes. Okay. Uh, the- and not not just because of the fact that he's like a killer. That's like going around and like kidnapping and raping and murdering his way through fucking New York and Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and, and, and that area. But there's one point in particular <laughs> where he literally uses the line, do you know what they say about assumptions? They make an ass of you and me. And I wanted to be like, I would fucking punch you in the <laughs> face if you just like like came up to me. You mean <laughs> you weren't impressed by his crab walk? Yeah. Oh, I did think the crab walk was super creepy. I, his... his <gasps> Uh, can I just say he has he stretches his hamstrings. He does. He's a very flexible man. Very flexible man. The you didn't thing, think that was creepy? I absolutely did. Okay. But it was also incredibly impressive. It was. I just If I tried to do that, I wouldn't be able to get up <laughs> off the floor for like three days. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh but he's got a great eye for, for camera angles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does have a flair for the dramatics. Yes. Yeah, I actually have that exact phrase <laughs> do you? general flair for the dramatic. <laughs> Uh, it's also grandiose and over the top that it's it's just such a huge part of what sells him, I think, as like a killer. Uh-huh. Uh, it actually kind of reminded me a little bit of Buffalo Bill. Okay, And that yeah. whole like, would you fuck me? I'd <laughs> fuck me <laughs> scene, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. he's got to get the costume, mm-hmm. the persona, the everything he has to else. feel it. <laughs> has to come before he can he can do the, the, uh, the rest of it, right? The theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get introduced to one of the most chilling parts of the film in, in general is the first attempt at the little girl in the front yard. Uh, and he says, you know, you want to say something in front of the camera? Maybe you could say I'm a happy, pretty little girl. And she was like, no. She was like, yeah. She was like, no. I was like, good on you, girl. Yep. Good on you. And then he just slugs her. Yep. He's like looking at the camera and then he just fucking beats her over the head. And then just drags her body to his car yep. in broad daylight in the middle of suburbia. Yep. And the one thing I found weird is like, so he, he gets out of his car because he sees this little girl, right? And you can tell that this is, it's just a little, uh, hint that i guess this really was an impulsive thing for him right right? uh because he has to unlock the back seat of or back door to his car oh to get her in to get her into Mm -hmm. the car he has to pull his keys out and unlock it and i remember (laughs) just being like you didn't you didn't (laughs) think that far part ahead like this really was just a you drove by saw a little girl i'm gonna beat her in the face yeah he was upset and he's like i'm gonna fucking kill her yeah uh and and so the movie does, it's like these kind of little details that sell it, right? Like kind of introduce him and the evolution, I guess, of his serial killing traits mm-hmm. throughout the entirety of the film. Uh, this is also when we get the first 911 audio footage. And it's just like, <laughs> I found it to be very overly dramatic. Like, I understand. I get it. You know, like this is, you're supposed to be a sobbing mom. Like, blah, There's blah, blah. blood. Yeah. There, it's just, There's like, blood. None of it, it, none of it was just <laughs> sold at all. 
<laughs> like at all whatsoever. Uh, I really don't. I disliked also how when she was calling the police officer and she's like, you know, my daughter's gone. There's blood. And the guy was like, you have to call back in 24 hours. Right. And she's like, there's blood. Uh, I also really disliked the moving backgrounds and stuff that they had going on in, during all that. So yeah. like it was like the shot of the house and the clouds moving and like like in uh, super shaky imagery. And, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It was like it. It felt really cheap and tacky. It felt like a really bad music video to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But it wasn't like a good kind of cheap. Not like the not like the like Jerry Springer kind of (laughs) cheap. Like like (laughs) like a velour tracksuit. An off-brand velour tracksuit. Yes. (laughs) Not a juicy one. (laughs) No, no. Uh, And so. Let's see. Then we get the couple's kill. So we get him in the uh-huh. back seat. Remember, he's he's in the back of the car. And so we're seeing that he's no longer impulsive. And he's... he's he they, mention, they mention that he's practicing how to hold the camera. Yeah. Which I found to be very interesting. And something that I wouldn't have actually given too much thought to if that wasn't mentioned, like, overtly in the film. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can't have a tripod with you everywhere you go. No. No, that's true. But, like, they point out, like, this guy, like, actually held his hand out and must have practiced that for a long time to Selfies be able to Selfies were right. different in the 80s. They, they were. were. Especially with the camera of... Big old camcorder. <laughs> that kind, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he had a story made up for the camera and everything. He did. So he goes from... We get this jump of impulsive to all right he's planned things out he's got an idea he knows exactly what what he wants to do like he's he's got the intention of killing whoever he can mm-hmm. and he's, he's got a story for everything he's mm-hmm. got a backup uh and it's just like it's interesting because they start bringing up the idea of a disorganized killer versus an organized killer so you know like because he's he, they mentioned that he's mutilating the bodies um and that they found him in a weird burial spot in, in rural Pennsylvania, uh, which is something like they find other buried bodies, but they're much more clean. They talk about later in the movie how like he's biting the victims and yeah. he intentionally cuts off the bite marks yep. and all this other stuff. But I, it got me got me looking in a little bit to the ver- the differences between organized killers and disorganized killers. Um, and according to Psychology Today. Uh, organized killers are classified as such based on historical patterns. Organized killers are likely to be above average intelligence, attractive, married, or living with a domestic partner, employed, educated, skilled, orderly, cunning, and controlled. They have some degree of social grace, which this guy does show. Well, the fact that he can get into a stranger's car yeah. and they'll give him a ride means he's not a complete maniac. Yeah, exactly. Or he doesn't appear to be a complete maniac. Rather. Exactly, exactly. Uh and uh, they may even be, be charming. Um, they often talk and seduce their victims into being captured. Uh, with organized offenders, they are typically three separate crime or there are typically three separate crime scenes. When the, when the victim is approached by the killer, when the victim is killed, and then when the victim is disposed of. Mm-hmm. Um, organized killers are very difficult to apprehend because they go to inordinate lengths to cover their tracks and often are forensically savvy, meaning they are familiar with at least some police investigation mm-hmm. methods so they cover up fingerprints mm-hmm. they clean up blood mm-hmm. they dispose like this guy did in the film apparently one of the big things that organized killers do and apparently it's it's pretty common with serial killers is they will dump body parts in different places in different places absolutely mm-hmm. i did also read that um organized killers tend to more often have sex with the victim before they murder them oh whereas disorganized killers usually have Sex is a terrible word. They're obviously post mortem. Post mortem, yeah. yeah, because they're not capable of having 
that type of huh. thing yeah. to a, with a person. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, uh, apparently they're likely to come from an unstable or dysfunctional... Disorganized killers are likely to come from an unstable or dysfunctional family. They often have been abused sexually uh, or physically by their relatives. Um, they're inhibited, um, both sexually and physically. Uh, they have <laughs> sexual aversions or pa- other pathologies. Mm-hmm. Um and significantly disorganized killers will often blitz their victims. That is, use sudden and overwhelming force to assault them. The victim's body is usually left where the attack took place, and the killer makes no attempt to hide it. Huh. They pointed to Jack the Ripper as being right. a classic example of this. And classic, um, example, classic examples of organized killers would be Dahmer, Berkowitz, guys like BTK. that. BTK. Yeah. BTK. Yeah. All the really killer. famous ones, I feel like, are the ones yeah. that are very organized. Are the organized. Because yeah. they're methodical in their they process. They all had jobs and families, and mm-hmm. everybody was like, oh, I, I knew this guy forever, and I never thought he'd do this. Yeah. 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 I mean, It's kind of weird now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that being said, it is important to note that serial killers can be both. Uh, mm-hmm. This occasionally occurs, for example, when there are multiple offenders, or somebody has different personality types. Okay. Uh that are involved with the killing. So it can occur when a lone offender is undergoing a psychological transformation also in mm. his career. So, for instance, uh, you know, somebody starts off... Well, we kind of see it in this in movie. In this movie, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, he starts off kind of just angry, and he realizes that this is, like, a part of him and starts becoming more and more... I mean, he's angry and sadistic throughout the entirety of the film, but he right. does it with a purpose, whereas, like, bef- like when we first see the first couple of killings, it's just kind of whoever... Just to let out that rage. Across. Yeah, because, like, it starts turning to the point where he's hunting down his victims. He's looking at them. He's watching them for a while. Like, he has an idea of how to approach them, whereas the first couple, it's just a matter of opportunity, mm-hmm. right? It was actually interesting watching the house that Jack built after seeing this because the juxtaposition of the two of them, like mm-hmm. Matt Dillon's character is pretty much the exact opposite. Yeah. No, that's true. Where he starts out very methodical and gets more impulsive as the movie continues. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's true. Uh, so the killer eventually starts being called the Water Street Butcher. Um, and one thing that they talk about in this also is that he changes his M.O., Mm-hmm. He starts killing hookers to starts, avoid getting caught. Yes, yeah, to, to avoid killing, ca- ca- being caught. And this is a really interesting thing because they they propose something in this film uh, that he's he's using it to hide the fact that he's killing people the way he wants to actually kill people mm-hmm. on the side. <laughs> <laughs> on the side. <laughs> Somebody tell me where the fuck this man finds this much time for murder. Right? Like, well, what else is he doing? We never actually see him doing anything else other than fucking with people. So where do you think he gets any sort of income? Yeah, how does he like, have that Like, does he have house? a day job? Maybe, maybe his, like, parents. Maybe it was his parents' house parents and, house, you know, yeah. parents died and he just Or maybe he's just living off what he takes from his victims. Could be. Or maybe his parents got money that he... Yeah, they died and... That's possible, Because yeah. he does kill a lot of his victims during the day, which leads me to believe that he doesn't have a job. Yeah. It's not like he's going out at nighttime, except for when he kidnapped... Um, some of the hookers. What's her name? And, yeah. Some of the... Oh, and kids. Cheryl. And Cheryl, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah this is his day job. And yeah. his night job. It sounds like a lot of work. It is. I mean, it's... it's <laughs> well, his day, his day job is probably, like, the kidnapping and killing, but his night job is, like... The torturing. The torturing and the video editing. <laughs> yeah. Video editing. Yeah. 
It takes a minute. Or lack thereof. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just tossing it in the pile in the closet. <laughs> so this movie kind of makes it seem like MOs are kind of like easy for killers to uh-huh. change. And and I, I did some research on that because I was just like, you know, this is fascinating. If this is if it's this easy for a killer to kind of uh, just flip their MO, like mm-hmm. why don't why don't all of them do it? Why wouldn't you just change it at the drop of a hat just to make sure that you aren't being found, right? Right. Like why not act like you're a disorganized killer one time and then be an organized killer the next time uh, like this guy is doing right. exactly. Um, but I found conflicting reports about how easy it is for a killer to drastically change their MO. Um, a serial killer's modus operandi or MO is usually dictated by the compulsion that drives him or her. Since that compulsion is also what causes them to kill, in most cases, they're almost powerless to stop it. Mm-hmm. The entire killing from stalking, uh, if it's included, some victims pertu- or, um, some prefer victims of opportunity, uh through how they leave the body, posed or just dumped, becomes a kind of special ritual for most of them. Uh, and they have very, very important steps that have to be met, usually. Right. Um, it, it seems very deeply psychological. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, part, it's a part of their identity, which I, I would imagine, like, how hard is it for us to change, like, yeah. anything that we do on a daily basis? Yeah, I can't even brush my teeth a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, try putting on your left shoe before your right shoe. Or do you if, remember when we tried to put our coats on with the different oh arm yeah, first? Yeah, <laughs> if, if you are, yeah, try to try to change any of the one like little things that you do. Yep, I hate change. I hate it. Everybody hate it. hates change. No, but I really hate change. That's why I do what I do, and I get more and more crotchety as I get older. <laughs> uh, but there can be some variation, obviously, in the steps from time to time. It's often ne- necessitated by things that can be as simple as realizing somebody's walking a dog in the area. Uh, but in general, the ritual stays the same because it has to satisfy the compulsion. But according to psychology today, the MO is what the offender must do in order to commit the crime. For example, the killer must have a means to control his victims mm-hmm. uh, at the crime scene. As just, and that can be tying them up. Uh, for instance, the one thing that they point out is like killers start off who start off as disorganized uh, usually use rope or zip ties or something mm-hmm. like that. But once they get further along in their career of killing, a good majority of them start going to handcuffs because of ease of access and simplicity's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another variable they don't have to control. Right. right? Uh, and so that, as a result significantly changes mo mm-hmm. uh but a serial killer al- will also alter and refine his mo to mm-hmm. accommodate new circumstances or to incorporate new skills and information so as they learn things they'll change their mo their mo's evolve but that's called a predictive mo right. where you can start predicting the path of how that mo is going to go practice it's, makes perfect it does yeah well yeah. they were really confused when they were talking about um when he the, the sauce that he used to dismember the bodies because he didn't just start, you know, the guy was like, you, you know, you usually start with a handsaw and then you realize how difficult it is to decapitate someone with a handsaw. So you move on to an electric saw. Yeah. But he just kept going like back, back and, and forth. forth and back and forth, which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's either insane or genius. Or genius. Yeah. And it's like, what, like this movie is kind of like almost a, a blueprint of maybe what you should do. If you want to be you a serial it, yeah. Crazy like a fox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's just it's interesting kind of like how MOs are are treated and looked at. Um So both of the articles kind of note small changes but not not massive sweeping changes like the ones we witnessed in this right. film, which is part of the reason that that fictional or not he's kind of unique. It, yeah. Uh then then we get 
I got to bring this up because I just found this really, really bizarre. The whole Ted Bundy getting interviewed thing and yeah. him being like Hannibal Lecter pretty much. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, I, just, I just remember him being like Have a... Have you thought about the fact that he might be fucking his victims after their death? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was like really, really bizarre. Uh, Ted Bundy as played by Todd Cahoon. Oh, is yeah. that Todd Cahoon? Yeah. Todd Cahoon. <laughs> and I was like, that really look like Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Also, I got to point out uh, Dai Luang, the Asian guy with the terrible accent. Oh yeah, what the, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't know what the some fuck of that the was. acting in this was just so bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then we get to another interesting tidbit, right? Uh, they interview an actor where he mentions comedial or Commedia dell'arte, right. uh, which is a 16th century early form of professional theater. Uh, basically, in this, generally the actors were. were diverse in background in terms of class and religion and, and performed anywhere they could. Um, but the masks, especially the one that that's pointed out in this movie was traditionally worn by a character called El Capitano. That's mm-hmm. how it, that's how it evolved. Uh, it later turned into the plague doctor, the plague, plague doctor, doctor. The, the, the plague masks. Cause they used uh, to shove like herbs and stuff in there. Right. Cause mm-hmm. they thought that the plague was transferred via bad air yeah Yeah, it was it was also just to kind of keep the stench of rot out of their out of their faces put some Uh, flowers in that beak yep exactly exactly uh but il capitano is a braggart uh, a braggart sorry and a what's a braggart uh somebody somebody who brags yeah okay exactly uh somebody who who's full of themselves okay uh and a swaggerer uh, who can maintain his claims only by benefit of the fact that none of the locals know him. He's usually a Spaniard, given the fact that most of the most of the late Renaissance, well into the 17th century, parts of Italy were under Spanish domination. Uh, he was also likely inspired by the boisterous Iberic Cadius, uh, who told tales of their exploits, whether or not or either in the conquest of the Americas or the wars with Ger- Germany. Um, Il Capitano uh, often talked at length about what made up the, con- the made up his conquest, right? Both his military conquests and his conquests. So he liked yeah. to talk a lot. Yeah, he, he talked about himself a lot. A lot. Uh, but he he's was the also, most fun at parties. <laughs> he uh, he also did this to kind of impress others, make himself mm-hmm. seem like he was better than a the verbose, rest. wonderful yeah. man. Uh, better than the rest of them, uh, even though that wasn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But the first sign of danger or something that made them uncomfortable. Gone. Gone. Audis. Uh And that's that's where, like, the mask has the most striking similarities up until the, the Plague Doctor got involved. But the Plague Doctors, recording from my research, were actually separate from Commedia dell'Arte mm-hmm. for a majority of it. They became a part of it closer to the 18th century. Yeah. But they were actually more associated with uh, the Carnival of Venice. That's right. Than they were Commedia dell'Arte. Uh and so the clothing worn by the plague doctors was intended, like you said, to protect them from airborne diseases. The costume used in France, the costumes were used in France and Italy during the 17th century. They consisted of ankle-length overcoats and a bird-like beak mask, often filled with sweet or strong-smelling substances. Most commonly, commonly, lavender. Ah, mm. they also mm. had a cane, so they didn't actually have to touch people. Apparently, yeah, they yep. just poke them. Yep. <laughs> and I did read actually that I a lot. Poking stick. A lot of the um, they weren't. A lot of them weren't actually doctors. No, they were no. just like random people who either they were physicians who couldn't get a normal job because they were terrible doctors, or they were just like somebody that kept their finger from falling off. Once. Pretty much, yeah. Yep. So not exactly. Give him my poking stick. I'll be a doctor. If he moves, he's still alive. He's still alive. (laughs) 
So let's get into the meat and potatoes of this film. Uh, let's talk about Cheryl Dempsey. Oh, Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. <laughs> you silly goose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cheryl Dempsey opens up a whole fucking extra angle to this film. Mm-hmm. And I think she's part her character and her interactions with the uh, Water Street Butcher mm-hmm. are what makes this film, I think, mm-hmm. as compelling as, as as it is. Without that, without Cheryl Dempsey in this, I don't think this movie's nearly as strong Absolutely as... As it ends up being. And they said in the beginning of the movie, too, when they had all of the tapes laid out, that like the majority of the tapes are of her. Yes. Uh, a good quarter of the tapes are dedicated to other victims, but three quarters yeah. of it are, are entirely dedicated or have her in mm-hmm. them in some way, shape, or form. Uh, She's a star. She is the star. So we get to see almost the entirety of the home invasion of this, right? So he just kind of like breaks into the house. Uh-huh. Uh, her boyfriend, Tim, is there as well. Well, yeah, There's, he comes after she he gets in there. Yeah, yeah. So we get some we get some glimpses, some close calls. Right, he has to hide in the closet. Yeah, and he's asking if they want ice cream. She's in the shower. It's he watched almost, them boning. Yeah, he watched them. He got to watch them have some sexy Sex time. Sexy time. Um, and uh, he rifled through her underwear. He did. He did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, any good creepy guy would. Absolutely. Right. right. Panty red. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he brutalized him. He smashed his head in, uh-huh. cut him from the anus to throat, and pulled uh-huh. out his intestines yep. and st- had, and quote from the movie, strewn them around like Christmas tree lights. Uh, he also punished. Now there's a Christmas. That's a Christmas movie. He also removed his genitals and placed it, placed them in the sock drawer of the master bedroom. Yep. yep. Uh, Keeping him warm. Right. So it's important to note that all this happened while in Cheryl's parents' house. Yes. So Cheryl was at home alone that weekend. She was. She was 19 at the time. She was. Uh, and so her parents, could you imagine? The final girl. The final girl. No, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine being the parent? Oh, and coming home to that? Coming home to that. Intestines uh, strewn all over the place, finding some junk in your drawer. <laughs> junk in your drawers? <laughs> Do you stay in that house? No. No. Absolutely not. You you sell that house immediately, right? Fuck no. Yeah. Or you burn it to the ground. No, the only reason you stay is because she she might come back. Yeah. Yeah. If it was your daughter, then yeah, you move. But if you're still looking for your daughter, no, you don't move. Because if she's going to come home, you want to be there for her. You can't just leave. So there's a really chilling scene where the, the killer comes up with his video camera. Son of a fucking bitch. Can I do anything to help? Uh, oh, talking yes. to her mom after talking he to returned mom. to the scene of the crime and she realizes it's him but mm-hmm. she's too struck with fear to be able to do anything about it you think you'd be struck with fear in that situation uh, no. I'd tackle that I would fucking I mean I would I, kill him <laughs> I would take his yeah. intestines again, and again we, around, we, like, we, we, trees. We, allow us to revisit the whole FBI people like <laughs> fuck up bitch dropping out <laughs> it's easy to say that it is but like your senses kick in at a certain point and you're you're on autopilot, man. Right. But some people have been in terrifying situations and have reacted one way and some right. people react different ways. Like I feel like I know how I would react. I mean well, you, I've never come face to face with a murderer. Yeah. It's the classic fight or flight, right? Right. Like, some yeah. people are fighting, some people are flight. Yeah. I feel like I'd be the tackler. I'm pretty I'm pretty mad. Body yeah. Yeah. Get body <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's broad daylight in the middle of Give me your camera. We're gonna see what the inside of you looks like right now. <laughs> And this is a close-up of your anus. <laughs> Why? What do you, do, you, do you think you would do anything? I don't know. I, I, I legitimately don't know. You're very non-confrontational. I am very non-confrontational. That's true. 
I talk a lot of shit about you in my fantasy in our fantasy football league, and yet we still eat popcorn next to one another all the time. That's true. But the difference is we keep that. That's its own thing. That's like, its own. We thing. compartmentalize. Yes. We, I, I absolutely do. The podcast is one thing. Yep. Music's one thing. Fantasy football is another thing. Video games are another thing, and they don't cross over. That's a good thing to know. That's a good thing to know. Uh, yeah, I could, I could, I, I think it would depend entirely on the person. I like to believe that I would be the per- type of person that would be like, "Oh, no, you're not leaving this fucking yeah. front yard." I'm also not a big person. Well, yeah, I don't think he was too. a big person either, though. He was very slender. Yeah, that's he was true. tall, but he was not a, a stocky man. Yeah. I don't think size matters though when you're unstable. If you got that crazy look, oh, in you your got eye, crazy eyes. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, you don't fucking you don't, crazy. That doesn't really matter. You know, you just like you, you could be Sam size. You got that crazy mm-hmm. glint. You got that look in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> like you might just bite someone's face off. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. It's like a spider monkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Uh, uh, Ace Ventura 2. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that little guy just gets out of the cage and they have the spear fight and he just comes up and bites him on the face. Like, fuck that. I'm not fighting that motherfucker. No. Fuck that shit. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, as far as we know, he could have had those crazy eyes, you know, while he walked. Oh, I'm sure he but did. But he sounded calm and composed and, yeah. and and until she realizes it and she's like, and oh, wait. Laughing. And then he starts to laugh and backs up. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the creepiest parts of that's this dark. movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's some fucked up and that's, shit. And that's that does happen so many times, especially I think with organized killers, is they do return and involve themselves either in like the search party or they get really close with the family members and like offer condolences and stuff like that. Like it's really fucking dark. Yeah. Like what type of person do you have to be to like like if I was that get a boner to do that? Nah, dude, if I was a killer, I'd totally do that. (laughs) Weird. I totally I totally fucking would. Well you think about it, you go long enough without getting caught and it starts Becoming yeah. like partly a game, high, right? Like, Absolutely, that's the, whole, yeah. the whole point of it, right? Like, it's, like I'm gonna go rub this in that fucking person's face. Well, that's why they write letters. You know yeah. what I mean? They make phone calls. Eventually, they get to the point. Like, I think what was it? Ed Kemper got so bored with people not catching them. Eventually, he just gave himself in. They throw <laughs> they throw titties on windshields. <laughs> Is that what he did? You'll find out if you watch. It's it. one of the I things. Don't, he did. I don't honestly think I really want to watch this movie. You need to watch this movie. Why? Because it's good. Okay, it is really good. It's really good. <laughs> It is really good. I, I don't want to say. I really don't feel comfortable saying that it's really good. But the more I think about it, the better I like. The more I like this movie. All right. You need to watch this movie. Okay. Uh, so we uh, kind of get to watch the 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 disassembly of. I have fucking dog hair in my mouth. Uh, the disassembly of Cheryl mm. from from start, and it starts off. It starts off brutal and and just gets more and more fucked, because um, it's like it, it, when you start off, it's like it's one of those situations where it's like this possibly can't possibly get any worse for her, right? And then it does. It does. And every time you see her interact with him, it just it does. It, they find a way to make it worse. Yep. What? And one thing that I think is I gotta ha- I have to give this movie props for. There's a lot of really graphic stuff. A lot of really fucked up shit that happens in this movie, but there's not a whole lot of gore. No, there's not. There's not even that much bloodshed. Nope. There's really not. Mm-mm. A lot of the stuff that takes place is off camera or it's implied. It's, it's implied, like it's got yeah. that it's got so the Texas like, Chainsaw the, Massacre. The two goriest parts were where he puts the the guy's head in the woman's stomach. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Um, and then I guess that's the, what is it? His last kill on videotape? The British the, woman? Yeah. Where he has that like the finger, finger prong. Finger yeah. And she just has her mouth taped up. So and it doesn't it's even. Like, but, and it's like, she's choking, she's choking on, her, on blood. her blood. Yeah. Like those are probably the goriest things in this movie. But this movie is pretty fucking graphic. Oh, it's disturbing. Yeah. It's, it's disturbing. Not yeah. What's your name? And I think that's one of the most, yeah. most intriguing parts of this film is it manages to get like a shock effect without resorting to like torture porn because mm-hmm. it walked there are points of this film where it walks that fine line you know it, it like it could have easily dissolved into hostile yes. or saw oh yeah and yeah. like and like really just gone for it and mm-hmm. shown you all the graphic details but it didn't like it wasn't like august underground you know it went in <laughs> it went into its own separate thing and, and focused on the psychological more than yep. it did the the i guess the the brutality yeah so you get the brutality you know it's there you know what's happening mm-hmm. uh it's just all implied or not shown yeah. or talked about by the profilers or the the police involved that kind of thing i think a lot of that also helps too even though the acting in, in the sort of interview parts of the movie was terrible it did help to sort of break up the movie a little bit and right. not so the movie's not entirely focused on his torture of these like you know people yeah there's more room to to explore other things right uh and I think I think you're right. It do, and because of that, I think it's one. This is one of the reasons I do enjoy this movie mm-hmm. uh, is because of the fact that it does it does smartly mm-hmm. delve into a lot of the psychological aspects yeah. behind this kind of thing. Um, but once Cheryl is is, is abducted, we see, first see her. She's hogtied and she's beaten until she she accepts that her new name is Slave. Mm. Right. Yep. Uh, and then she's forced to say that she's she's in another incredibly fucked up scene that she's, she's happy that the killer killed her parents, right? Even though her parents are alive, yeah. She she's led to believe that her parents are dead, uh, and then she's forced to say that she's happy that they're dead. Uh, and then at one point, you know, she's forced to dress up as a beer maid, and then from there on, she's wearing a faceless mask, right? Mm-hmm. Like almost like the William Shatner mask from from fucking yeah. Halloween. Like, yeah, it's just like it's just like it's put over her head, and she is no longer Cheryl anymore. No, she is completely she is slave. She is, she slave. is completely slave. Um. And there's like something fucking like very oh well, I mean it's very BDSM right like mm-hmm. it's like it's like that 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 whole culture taking to the fucking nth degree and I'm not saying that this is what happens in BDSM no BDSM no culture. of course not I'm just saying this we don't is, kink shame on this podcast yeah yeah this is like <laughs> an, a very extreme fucking yes result of it and you know there this was, is non consensual BDSM yeah this is this is that's exactly what it is yes. like uh and and so it takes another turn it takes an even darker turn when she start she's forced to start killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get that really dark scene where she's... Uh, she, she's got to help. Yeah. yeah. Well, she keeps saying that one thing over and over and over again. It's like... I, oh. Thank you, slaves. Thank, or thank you, master. I, I do I, what you want me to do or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something, something like that. She just says it over and over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again. <laughs> it's uh, very disturbing. It is very disturbing. And so we we see that that one scene uh, of her as, as he, he hands... He whispers to her. He leans mm-hmm. over to her. He's like, oh, you showed her the where the window was. Yeah. And you know he's like, I'll you know I'll fucking I'll I'll beat you, or he threatens her with violence. Yeah, threatens her with violence, and she's like, oh, she starts crying hysterically, and and she's like, he's like, stop crying, and then he leans in, and he's like, I want you to do something, and he leans in and whispers it to her, and you know exactly what he's talking. Yeah, about. and so she he hands her the knife, she walks up and just slits the throat, right? Yep, and that's that's, I guess 
her first involvement with the whole thing. Transformation complete. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, ultimately, that's what 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 she's trying to or what he's trying to do to her, uh-huh. right? Like, Break her is, down is completely, like, mm-hmm. com- utterly and completely. And then later in the film, we get to see even more examples of it. She's forced to be a literal fucking table, yeah, uh, as as he plays host to some some uh, Girl Scouts that come into the house that are trying to just sell cookies. Yep. Uh, and so he sits down with them and they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're well, they're stupid for coming in the house, but they're wary. And, and he said he was a police officer, yeah. which he used a lot to his sort of Which I think benefit. people fall for pretty easily. Yeah. Um, it's something, it's something we've, you see in a lot of, of serial killer movies mm-hmm. is, is pretending to be a police officer. Because as soon as you say somebody's a police officer, we fear the police so much that like, you're not going to be like, no. <laughs> you're not. I mean, how much are you honestly going to challenge one? Right. Or somebody who claims that they are one. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's one of the... it's The whole relationship with Cheryl is like this brutal example of, of extreme Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. How, how she's she's almost made to worship him. Uh, and and so at the end of the film... We, we see a brief interview with her and mm-hmm. the trauma that she's gone through and how broken she is. And one of the most shocking f- parts of the film is a little touch, and it's such a good touch. Mm-hmm. It's such a good touch. She's interviewing, she's interviewing, and then she goes up to scratch her head. Mm. Or to, like, move her, her hair out of her face yeah, or something. Yeah, she's missing her hand. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why. Like I, like I said, I've seen this movie before, but I didn't remember that part. Mm-hmm. And every single time I see that part, I'm just like... <sighs> Fuck. Fuck. Because then, then as soon as they show that the hand's missing, they start talking about the fact that she was like, she had several broken bones. Uh-huh. She had teeth removed. Oh, yeah. She, she was had completely tortured. All this just gen- like genuinely terrible shit happened. But like not just broken, like not just broken bones. They weren't allowed to heal. They right. were constantly agitated. Well, and when she was in the hospital, because she was so used to to having pain as a way to like, like, live her life, pain. that she yeah. was hurting herself. And you know what that re- reminded me of that scene in Martyrs? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Know? And it just called me back to that and mm. like how much we talked we you and I talked about that in depth, you oh, know, yeah. that whole scene where 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 she's she inter- encounters a girl in the basement mm-hmm. and just tries to help her and she ends up trying she's, to cut her head her yeah. flesh off and all that stuff. Like, well, and she um it was really interesting too. I like in this movie or this part specifically is they're asking her these questions and she doesn't know how to answer them because she's not been want, fed I don't know what the answers. She doesn't I don't know what you want. She hasn't spoken words no, for herself. I, I, don't, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know what you want me to and say. So I think that's. I think that's what she was saying earlier on. Is like, I'll do like I'll do whatever you I'll say. I'll do whatever you say. What do you uh, want me to say? Yeah. But finally, when they say when he, they can, say to her, say what you say. So what you can you say whatever say. you want. The only thing that comes out of her mouth is he loved me. Yeah. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but he loved me. Yeah. And it's just it just it caused me to do some. And he's going to come back for me. Yeah. He's, he's oh god, it's fucking creepy. Uh. And it caused me to do some research on on real examples mm. of Stockholm syndrome, and I know Alex, you delved. You there dove were into so some of this many. Too. There are a bunch. So, it was some, really devastating. It really is, and it's just uh, you know one thing that I noticed with the most famous cases, at least that I was delving into. Uh, they're all women. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I couldn't find. I tried to find like little, at least like a, a case involving a boy or something. I couldn't find a single famous case about Stockholm syndrome that had to do with even like a, a like a boy. Right. Hmm. I think little boys are definitely kidnapped. I don't know that they're kept alive. And it's just it's just an interesting mm-hmm. like like first as often. What about it? What about females in particular is so appealing to be broken. <laughs> Does that like is that I I, I yeah. don't know if that's a fair question to ask. Like, well, I, I feel like it's also a numbers game. Like, 
In what sense? Women are more likely to... Are they, though? Like, you mean be kidnapped? Or... Yeah. Women are, are more likely... I don't know the stats behind it. I I, 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 I'm assuming women are more likely to be kidnapped, and I could be completely wrong on this. Um, I think women are more likely to be kidnapped because men are more likely to be kidnappers. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, there's a dichotomy. And I think the the second part to this, uh, you know, when you're saying, like, looking about trying to find, like, if any boys were in that situation, I also feel like when kidnappers are kidnapping boys, some horrible shit's happening to those boys, and those boys aren't surviving. Yeah. I don't think that they tend to to last as long as yeah. the women do. So I, I think I think I think part of it is it's just a numbers game. Mm. I don't think that boy, little boys are kept yeah alive long enough to develop Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, unfortunately, maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know, but I think that the majority of about seventy four percent of victims of non family child abductions are girls. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, I think that people. I think that. Like I said, I think most men are kidnappers. Every and... 40 seconds, a child goes missing. Yeah, it's, God damn it. That's terrifying. Wow. And that's... Is that U.S. numbers or global? I don't know. This is... Uh... 40 seconds. God damn it. And no, that's... every 40 seconds in the United States, a child becomes missing or is abducted. And that's less than it used to be. People are always talking about how it's so much more dangerous outside now. Yeah, it's better now. It's better. In the 70s and 80s, it was probably much higher than that. In 2017 alone... Uh, the the National Crime Information Center missing persons file contained more than thirty two thousand records of children under the eighteen uh, under the age of eighteen. Mm-hmm. Jesus, that were unsolved. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I guess it is overwhelmingly girls that are kidnapped, mm-hmm. girls and women that are kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you're right. Maybe the kidnappers are mainly male. They are. Uh, I mean, they have women sometimes, especially in some of the ones that the most famous cases. The it's it's usually men who are the ringleaders of this operation. They sometimes mm-hmm. have women, their wives or girlfriends who are working alongside them. Yeah. But that's it's not Yeah, Natasha Campush is one of the ones that I was looking at in terms of similarities. And yeah, mm-hmm. that was a that was a, a result of a I believe Colleen Stan also. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Colleen Stan, that's the one that's the one that was I'm sorry. That's you're right. Uh, that was a husband and wife team. Mm-hmm. Although the wife, the wife I guess, let, was the one who let her up, go. Yeah. Or told up, her to Get the fuck out of here. Having a change of heart, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I was doing some research on this, and and there were a few that I think inspired the story, story of Cheryl Dempsey. One of them is Mary F. Uh, McElroy. Uh, she was kidnapped in 1933 and held for a $60,000 ransom. Uh, there were four captors uh, in, in this, and they all got their money, uh, but it, were soon caught thereafter mm. uh during the trial mary was plagued by immense guilt and went so far as to ask them to be pardoned uh publicly uh writing a letter to the mayor claiming that they all cared for her immensely uh she committed suicide in 1940 and left a note saying that her captors were one of the only people on earth or some of the only people on earth who didn't think that she was a fool mm-hmm. uh the the whole reason i bring her up is because of the suicide that yes. Cheryl does mm. at the end of the film. Uh, Nat- Natasha Campush is another one. She was kidnapped in 1998. She was only 10 years old at the age of her kidnapping. Uh, for the next eight years, Natasha was held repeat- was held and repeatedly abused and raped and was a prisoner in a cellar uh, beneath the garage of a man named Wolfgang. And I'm going to pronounce this name wrong. Pricklopel. Pric- uh, the cellar was 54 square feet, windowless, soundproof, and closed by a concrete steel door. Initially, Natasha was not permitted to leave the room, but as time went on, she was invited to spend time in other parts of the house. Uh, she was left alone, actually, towards mm. the end of her kidnapping because she was 
Yeah. She wouldn't leave. Yeah. Uh, and that that the reason I brought that one up is because of the whole fact that Shell was held in the cellar for mm-hmm. a good portion of the time. Uh, next one, which is one that you brought up to Alex, Colleen Stan, kidnapped in seventy seven at the age of twenty. So she was one of the older ones. This is about when this is. Uh, so Cheryl was kidnapped at the age of nineteen. 19, so it's about right. the same age. Uh, the kidnapper was a man named Cameron Hooker. Uh, he turned Colleen into a sex slave with the help of his wife Jan. To make matters worse, Hooker built a coffin-sized box in which he held Callie, Colleen captive for 22 to 23 hours a day for the next seven years. Colleen was subjected to cruel torture throughout her imprisonment. She was renamed K and forced to act as a piece of furniture. Uh, Hooker told Stan that her family was dead and that no one loved her. Uh, and he regularly forced Colleen to go through tests of loyalty. At one point, Hooker handed Colleen a gun and told her to stick it in her mouth and pull the trigger. Colleen complied, but the gun contained no bullets. Mm. Uh, after she escaped, uh, due to the help from from the wife, Jan, uh, Hooker jumped in front of a train to avoid capture. Colleen spent hours alone with the coffin of her captor and carried a picture of him in her wallet. I remember if I... If this is the one I'm thinking of, did she not? Did he not drop her off at her parents' house? Like after four years, and she went back the next day. It was a test of loyalty. Yeah, and she went home. I was like, oh, that is so dark. Yeah, I mean, one that's a testament to the amount of psychological abuse, though, right? Like you go through that much trauma. Like, Mm -hmm. what else do you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the reason I brought that one up, there's so many. This is the closest one to home. The age, uh, the fact that she was in a coffin-sized box. Cheryl was in a coffin-sized box mm-hmm. when she was discovered. She was renamed. She was forced to act like a piece of furniture. Uh, and the fact that she was told that her family was dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then she was sexually assaulted. Yeah, yeah, sexually assaulted, forced to go through tests of loyalty, all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a... there. It's nearly blow by blow mm-hmm. for Cheryl Dempsey uh, based on Colleen Stan. Um, and I think, once again, this is mo- something that this movie captures so well. Um, when this movie does things right, I think it does things very right. But it's just plagued by poor acting by anybody who plays a police officer (laughs) i think that's where it's weakest and like i'm not i'm not trying to laugh at it or criticize it too harshly as a result of that because i do i do genuinely think that this is a pretty compelling film uh from start to finish for something that's just a documentary slash found footage type of thing Mm -hmm. um and it kept me intrigued which is more than i can say for most documentary slash found footage types of horror movies <laughs> yeah. that I encounter uh, from start to finish. Um, do we have any other final points? I mean, I think that's about about it. I got something. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of piggybacking off of, like, who Cheryl might have been inspired by. Right. Oh, that's right. Um, so Marist College, which is a small liberal arts private college in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Some yeah. students Marist there. Marist College. Marist College. Uh, some students at the school were convinced that uh, this was a real movie. Uh, like, real in the sense of, like, this actually happened. Okay. Um, despite the fact that it was filmed in California. Um, and there was credits at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know, that stuff. Um, but according to the Marist College student newspaper, uh, they say that it may be based on actual events. Um, a killer named Kendall Francois killed eight to ten prostitutes in Poughkeepsie between 96 and 98, but he didn't videotape the murders, and he was caught when a woman escaped abduction and alerted the cops. Um, what's his name? Uh, 
John Eric Dowdle said the director said that he's never heard of Francois, but did say that uh, he was inspired by two specific serial killers, a pair that mm-hmm. worked out of Northern California, Charles Ng, 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 Charles Ng, Charles Ng, and Leonard Lake. Um, yeah, they're fucked up. Yeah. Believed to have raped and murdered as many as 25 women in Northern California and filmed some of the victims. Ng uh, raped, tortured, and murdered between 11 and 25 people um, with Leonard at Leonard's cabin in Calaveras County uh, in the Sierra Nevada foothills, just south of Sacramento, about an hour south of Sacramento. Um, And after Lake was arrested in 85 on illegal weapons charges, auto theft, and fraud charges, uh, he swallowed cyanide pills that he'd sewn into his clothing and died. Um, And then after that... Uh, human remains, videotapes, and journals were later found in their cabin. Mm-hmm. And they also had, like, a, if I remember correctly, like, a, essentially like a dungeon that they built mm-hmm. next to the cabin that was just for raping and torturing women. Yeah. Specifically. I mean, they would also kind of kill families if just to get to the women, but they would, yeah, it was terrible, terrible stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of people do still think this is, like, a real thing. A real, yeah, like a a real story. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that like is the top result when you t- start typing Poughkeepsie tapes into <laughs> into Google is is the Poughkeepsie tapes is real? It real. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like it kind of it kind of uh, reminds me a bit of like in the sense of like people wanting it to be a snuff film, right? Kind of like you remember Eight Millimeter? You guys remember that movie? Yeah. Like. It's not, but there. I, I think this is kind of where it goes back to like, what was it? Seven, seven years, eight, eight years between when this movie was made, yeah, and when it like actually saw the light of day, uh-huh. right? And there, there's just kind of that urban legend feel mm-hmm. to it. It was the same thing with the Blair Witch Project. Like they really marketed that as yeah. a real movie, like something that actually happened. And people, I was reading an article. About the Poughkeepsie tapes, when someone went to go, there was some art house or movie theater that, you know, had it playing. And they told everyone that it was an actual story. Yeah. And people liked liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then when they found out that it wasn't real, they were they didn't like the movie anymore. Yeah. And they got really fucking upset. That's partly why they used, in, in the case of, you know, some of the actors, mm. good unknown, like never before never heard before of actors. Never before seen, yeah. And in the case of some other ones, some bad Never before seen actors. Never to um, be seen again. Actors? And never to be seen again. Um, because it helps kind of keep that feel of authenticity. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, like this wouldn't be the only film that does that, especially with the found no. footage variety. I mean, and Cannibal a low Holocaust budget one. Is, Cannibal Holocaust is famous for it. Mm-hmm. A uh, lot of horror movies they purposely pick non like unknown actors because yeah. it, you're able to put them in the story more. Yeah. If it's Brad Pitt, you're like, I know this isn't real. If it's Matt Dillon, you think you're watching something about me. <laughs> Cruel Intentions, please. It wasn't in Cruel <laughs> Intentions. I had looked up IMGb. I'm not even going to lie. But I really liked how they left this movie where he... Because um, there was that whole thing where you know they thought they had him and they had him executed and it wasn't really him. I like how they kind of left it very open-ended. I think he... Like, he I'm sorry. Wild Things. Wild Things. Okay. Wild Things. Not Much cruel different. Intentions. Wild Things. 
My bad. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure there's somebody who's been screaming. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> it's wild things you fucking don't for like, for like 20. I sincerely hope like that hours. somebody has been shouting into no like into the air. At nobody. We have be- the word we've, dolt. Yeah, we've uh, created a serial killer with this episode. Wild he's so things. he's so triggered by the fact that I mentioned that it was wild, not wild things. It was he or was, like, she. He or she. Okay. <laughs> Probably no, uh, he. Sorry, stats are overwhelming. Most likely he. Most likely he. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I really like the way that this movie ended. Yeah, so did I. I actually, uh, I I think, I think there's a distinct lack of hope at the end of this movie. Yes. Are we not going to talk about the 9-11 twist? Um, oh, that's yeah. right. I actually yeah. like didn't even, I forgot about it. Are we all not going to talk about no, that being abso- shoehorned into we this fucking movie? We should absolutely talk about 9-11. I, I think it would make sense, though. Like, I mean, how else would they? Because it was such a, it makes sense why it could be such a huge story and then people kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I mean, being, like, that was like one of the most interesting things, right? He frames a police officer. Uh, Which goes to show how organized this motherfucker is. Oh, Yeah. Know? Uh, this, but that, like, that's also, this is also, the part of the reason that I didn't really, like, bring that up too heavily in my notes is because it's part of the, that's, that's where my limits for belief started to, mm. to fall off a little bit. Yeah, that whole side story about him framing that cop, I didn't find super interesting. But it yeah. also takes you out of the, cons- it take it took me out of the idea of him being a serial killer who's going to continue doing it. Because what the fuck is the point of framing somebody if you haven't been caught and no one's even come close to catching you? Framing someone for all the stuff that you've done if you're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. What like what is what's the motive behind that? It makes no uh, sense. Because he gets off on the fact that he's 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 elusive. Yeah, that he 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 wants it to be public knowledge that he destroyed somebody using the system. Mm. Mm. And I think at least that's what I took yeah. away from it. Like he, he so he, he didn't just system. He too. didn't just kill some some people on his own. He literally was like, "Oh, also, I'm going to figure out a way to fuck up the system and get the and cops get to kill somebody <laughs> to killed using our own justice system." And then it also nine eleven. It just doesn't seem to fit. Like, so is the killer responsible for nine eleven, dude? Yeah, yeah. I the think kill- so. dude. Was he that killer, organized? This killer can melt steel beams. It's very dramatic. Killer as Osama can confirm. Um, no, it just it never it didn't make sense to me because there's no torture aspect to it yeah. for him. Right? No, there is. He's getting off on the fact that this man is imprisoned, but he's, he's not imprisoned. seeing it. But he's not seeing anything, and he's not actively he doesn't need doing to. anything. He doesn't need to. I feel like he actively needs to to he's torture get, people. He's getting that already. This is a whole nother level. This, this is, is like upping the ante. <laughs> but it's just like, upping the ante to another degree. But in the sense of serial killers and like going back to that like their MOs and kind of it's ingrained in them and it's it's kind of their their process that that never seemed to fit. Yeah. When I was watching this. I can agree with that. I don't think it vibed as much as. But the, I don't think, I think it was just I, a weird thing. Well, I think yeah, no, I agree. But I think this movie is trying to like say that this killer was able to transcend mm. mm or mos. Yes. Yeah, uh, maybe that yeah. he was mmo. Sorry, not mmo. Mmo overtime. Yeah, that he was just capable to. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. He was he was capable of just bouncing around, right? Yeah, he didn't adhere to one type of mo. He was mo fluid. Mo fluid. Don't put him in a box. Don't put him in a box. Only slave goes in the box. <laughs> Only, Only slave. slave. 
Dang. All right. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note. We have any final points about this? Are we are we are we done with this one? No, I'm feeling good. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad I got to watch this movie again. Yeah, it's yeah. Been a minute. Uh ratings. I'll kick things off with the ratings this Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Uh what are we giving it out of girls and coffins? Um I think I I think I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. You've seen this before, Alex. What yeah. would you give it? I was also gonna give it a three. Okay. Two and a quarter. Okay. okay. Two and a quarter. Two, five, and divided by three. 2.75. Okay. It feels about It's right. respectable. It's respectable. It's respectable. People people think that, like, anything considering it's got a fifty three. Per- considering it's got a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. But what does have for Google reviews? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it, like, 80-something? I don't know. <laughs> uh... But uh, yeah, people start thinking like any anything between below like a three is like in shit tier. Yeah, no, like, I don't no, think so at all. Case. It's not the case. This is this is a this is a good movie. We only got five to picks from. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This is a good. I mean, you multiply it by two, right? Like it's four, five, six, six point two five. What? What? You just double Sorry, it. Sorry, five point two five. What's five point two? Are you trying to find what, per- what percent it is? Yeah, just double it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know. If- I don't know if that makes it any better or not. That's a passing grade. <laughs> yeah, we've yet fun. to give anything under a one, even though we've we've technically got the ability to give something a zero. You're right. Like, yeah. This is, but have we watched anything that warrants that yet? No. But that kind of shows like I have zero to five. Yeah. If you're coming in above two and a half, you're doing good. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I agree. I think it's over fifty percent. Yeah. I think you're fine. I'd watch it again. I'll put it that way. Uh, shit, even one to five, if you're coming in above two, you're still doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely. So thank you again to uh, Horror Flicks and Kill. And also Instagram. props on your Instagram name. That's amazing. Yeah, Alex, <laughs> Alex was a big fan of I that. I got a huge kick out of that. <laughs> props for uh, for suggesting that. And, th- and thank you for, for being a part of, of Fan Appreciation Month. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, so it's time for the housekeeping as per usual. Uh, we've wrapped up. This, this was the wrap up for Fan Appreciation Month. And once again, we're feeling the holiday spirit. Yes. So what better way to kick things off than... Picking up where we left off last year with Silent Night, Daily Night 2. Oh, punish! Punish! Uh, so it remains, that uh, the original ones for Silent Silent Night, Daily Night remains one of our most popular episodes. So it seems only fitting to jump on board with a sequel. Uh, so we're going to be tackling that next week. Uh, after that, we'll be covering a newer horror Christmas flick. Called, Candy Canes and Murder! <laughs> <laughs> called Better Watch Out. Uh, which is a Shutter exclusive. So if you've got that on there, then yeah. you've got Shutter and you haven't seen it, it's actually pretty good. Watch uh, it with us. Yeah, watch it with us. Um, that being said, we've been doing this for a year and a half strong, without missing a si- well, I guess one week. We missed one week. No, no? you missed a week. You mi- no, I haven't missed any weeks. Okay, we've been doing this a year and a half strong collectively, without missing an episode. So. We're going to be releasing two more standard episodes in December, and because, well, we need a fucking break. And it's uh, time for us for... Yeah, we want to enjoy the candy holiday. Candy canes and kill. Candy yeah. canes and It's time killing. for us to get our kill on. Uh, we will not be releasing more than two regular episodes during the December. We That doesn't mean we're not going to be releasing content, though. We've got a whole bunch of stuff 
uh, planned for you guys for release. We've got some gory details episodes coming up, including interviews with the director of Terrifier, Damien Leone, and the one and only Art the Clown. Yay! Uh, We've got an interview with the CEO of indie horror publisher Stitch Smile Publications and an interview with the director and star of the upcoming gore film Normal Terror. So, just because we won't be giving you a standard episode doesn't mean we're going to leave you guys high and dry. Mm -hmm. We'll still be releasing stuff for you. Play it for your family during Christmas time. Yeah. (laughs) Show them what you're into. Uh, We want to take... A second to thank everybody again that participated in fan appreciation. If we didn't get to your nominations, or if you've got films that you'd like to suggest, please drop us a line on social media or via email to keep up with all the latest Terran Podnito information. I can't even pronounce it. Incarnator. You can follow us on all the social media platforms at Terran Podnito. You can also reach us at, by email at cast at terranpodnito.com. Uh, which we actually, we got, you know who you got me the other day? Oh. Fucking Alicia. I was like, you could have just texted me, girl. She's like, nah, I got this. Oh, I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, But yeah, you can follow us individually, too. I'm Palmer at Sternforth. I'm Alex at A. Looters. I'm Sam at Sam Heaves. So don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts slash Stitcher, because apparently those are the only things that you can do that on. So mm-hmm. make that happen. If you dig us, sub. It makes your lives easier. Makes Press that happy. five, guys. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah, it makes, makes everybody happy. We all smile when you hit five. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, and as per usual, punish. <laughs> <laughs>